0: Live on 105.5 FM and streaming on the Sound of Mobile App. I cannot believe it.
1: Welcome to a Monday edition of the Final Drive here on WNSP 105.5 Corey LaBounty, along with my producer Michael brauner joining you this pre-fourth of July, Monday, and of course. Tomorrow being the 4th of July, hope everyone is going to be enjoying their Independence Day, and there's going to be plenty of festivities throughout Mobile and Baldwin counties. And, of course, on Friday we talked a little bit about what is your favorite 4th of July firework, and we got all kind of answers on that, from bottle rockets to sparklers to Roman candles, artillery shells, smoke bombs, all of which I think... I saw being popped a little a little early than waiting for tomorrow, but hope everyone is safe and enjoys their Independence Day. And for those that got today off, a little bit jealous of you, but Michael Braun just and a, I... Just a little bit. Just a little jealous of you, but Michael Braun and I, we're holding things down, had a wonderful weekend. Michael Braun, how did your weekend go? Oh, man, it was great. I
2: did nothing but play golf and sweat in the heat. So, uh, you know, it was hot.
1: But. Plenty, plenty of heat going on, and we'll catch you up on the heat that Ricky Fowler brought this weekend and great guest scheduled for today. Tony Sakalis will be talking about the Alabama Crimson Tide. David Waters will be talking about the Florida Gators, and he is, with the Gator breakdown, of course, $400 million renovation going to be going into the Swamp in Gainesville, and that's exactly what you could call a little recruiting boost for the Florida program. John Reschetti will be joining us to kind of preview his golf show and also to talk about the golf tournament that was held this weekend. We'll have Zach Blackerby to catch us up on our Major League Baseball as well. But, Bronner, the question was posed, the best or the favorite 4th of July tradition. You you see this weekend so many people come in from out of town, hit the beaches, hit the swimming pools, and the best 4th of July tradition when you were growing up, of course, that would be for my family just going to watch the 4th of July fireworks, whether that's downtown or wherever that may be, but just having an opportunity to see that and and really now kind of watching Capital Fourth of July on PBS as well. But, you know, as far as favorite Fourth of July foods, we're, we're asking everybody out there in the app, love for you to correspond with us or give us a call, 251-694-1055. Your favorite Fourth of July food. What is that staple go-to for you, Bronner? Who. You know, I
2: wasn't exposed to conneca till I moved to the south. So, you know, that's 18 years of really just burgers and hot dogs and watermelon. Although the watermelon is better here too. So, you know, that uh, <laughs> that, that that gets a little bit of an advantage over the last 5 years as well. Man, I mean, yeah, it, it, it's hard to it's hard to not say like a, a good conneca dog at this point. I mean, that that truly like if I was going to rank top 5 things about living in the state of Alabama, I think Koneka sausage
1: might be, it might be in that, might be, might be in the top three. All right, so so let me ask you this: When you do eat your Koneka dog, do you go ahead and do you do you slice it down the middle? Do you cut it in half, or do you eat it whole like a hot dog? I mean, how do you how do you do the Koneka? Slice it. Yeah, you open that bad boy up, make I- it an open faced. Kineca. I guess that would that would breed more topics. Now, I
2: mean, I'm I'm pretty simple. I just I just bite into it. I don't need to slice it. I don't really put a lot of toppings on it either. It doesn't need it. It's so good. It's like a hot dog. I might have put a couple things on, but like a Koneka, maybe a little bit of ketchup, but that's about it. I'm not a huge mustard guy. I know I'm I know I'm gonna catch some flack for that, but you know, just a little little, little dollop of ketchup, a little bun. Let the let the salt so- let the meat talk. You gotta let the meat
1: talk. You well, know? I, I will say this. As far as from a Koneka standpoint, if Konekas are available without a bun, I'm fine with it. If, if you have a bun, I'll eat it on a bun. I, I don't have to have mustard. Don't have mine. to have a bun. Doesn't have to have don't mustard. Have to have don't ketchup. have to have ketchup. If now, it's there, I'll take it. Do, do you do you like it seared? Do you like the, the, the black grill marks on the Koneka? And the more roasted or toasted the Koneka becomes, the more it's grilled, the do you do you let it sit on there long enough to go ahead and get those char marks. You can on do it.
2: too much. I mean you can you can grill it too much. <laughs> so, you know, you gotta be you gotta be careful. But pretty much any way you cook a Koneka, it's it's hard it's that's the best part about it too. It's like pretty foolproof. It's hard to mess up. Like you can cook it in a pan and it's good, yeah, but I yeah. mean it's not very Fourth of July ish, but you know, if you're having Koneka in June. You know, you might cook it in a pan if you don't own a grill like, you know, myself at the moment, <laughs> but, uh, you know, one day. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, there's... Th- it's pretty hard to... It's pretty foolproof sausage. I mean, you kind of just throw it on whatever heating element and, uh, you know, it's going to be good no matter what. But, yeah, you can you can mess it up if, if you if you let it, leave it on the grill too long. You know, you want a little char on there.
1: Koneka sausage is Michael Bronner's go-to 4th of July favorite. Now, now had you ever had connect prior to coming to tuscaloosa had you ever even heard of it no no i mean we don't we don't have, we don't have it
2: in the north <laughs> to my understanding they don't have it like maybe you can get it in georgia maybe uh, yeah you can get maybe, it in, maybe georgia. in mississippi but you like get in mississippi you don't you don't you don't you don't show up at uh you know stop and shop <laughs> in, in new jersey and they don't have connect on the shelves it's just not not something you're gonna find it's, All right. it's unfortunate
1: uh, fa- fair enough fair enough there now now i will say this as far as also with eating Knecker sausage, Knecker dogs. You and I, we we have an eating contest, and and you grill them up to to about the size of the length of a bun. How many do you think that you could consume, Kneckers? Yeah, within a within a five minute period. I I'll just say a five minute period. Have I eaten? Like I'm assuming I'm
2: assuming I haven't. You know. I kind of
1: starved myself you, you, for the purpose you're, you're, of this. You're, you're ready to go, like Joey Chestnut.
2: Buns are not a factor here? Not a factor. In five minutes, how many bun-length connectas, Man, 25?
1: Yeah, You're you, you, you pounding them, brother. I think 25. You're pounding yeah, them. I think I, I think I I could I eat will 25. say this. You you would probably have me beat there from that eating 25 Konekka sausages in five minutes, the length of, of which a hot dog bun will be, but... If that's the case, would you be willing to get into a eating contest, the same one that Joey Chestnut is a <laughs> part of? I mean, would I be
2: willing to get it? I, I'm not eating 75 hot dogs in 10 minutes.
1: Well, I, I'm I'm always fascinated with Nathan's hot dog eating contest, and of course, Joey Chestnut will will take the nation by storm tomorrow. Has not lost. A Nathan's hot dog eating contest since 2015. And two years ago, eating 76 hot dogs in that 10 minute time frame. That that is just to me amazing. And and Chestnut, of course, being a world record holder, holds fifty-four different records. In fifty-four different eating contests,
2: you got to run. I don't know if you have the list in front of you, but we got to run. We got to run through some of those records. I just there's I, probably some wacky ones on there.
1: It's really it's amazing when you look at the amount that he does. It Includes chicken wings. He ate a hundred and eighty-two <laughs> chicken wings in thirty minutes.
2: See, how do you judge that? Like. Is there, like, a judge that's judging, oh, there's there's too much chicken left on that bone? Like, because I'm assuming these are bone-in wings. I'm assuming they're not boneless wings. No, they're not boneless. So, like, you know, I, I guess these guys probably have a, a method to pick them clean. But
1: it, it, he definitely picks them clean. I mean, it, it's 182 chicken wings in 30 minutes. Joey Chestnut has eaten 141 hard-boiled eggs in eight minutes. <laughs> He's eating 47 grilled cheese sandwiches in 10 minutes and he has eaten 121 Twinkies in 6 minutes. These are some of the records
2: that 121 that might be the most impressive one. 121
1: Twinkies in 6 minutes. That's like hot dog length. Absolutely devouring. And when you when you look at the amount and the length of what Joey Chestnut has eaten. He's eaten 1,152 Nathan's hot dogs and buns in the event since 2005. 1,152 <laughs> You think hot he ever
2: dogs. like has a hot dog during the during the year just like, you know, oh,
1: to, to hot, dog, enjoy hot
2: dog sounds good. I,
1: I, I'm I'm quite sure he does, and I'm going to tell you why I think he does. I, I think he does that just because Look, I, I've got to get my taste buds ready. I've I've got to go ahead and, and put put a taste on something that I'm gonna consume. Nah, he's not eating 75 of them to taste. Nah, them. I just think he'll probably eat a couple and push away just to know, look, this, this is what you can get used to. But I mean, how as far as preparing, it's always fascinating me. How do you prepare to to eat 76 hot dogs? Now, the over-under for Joey Chestnut. Yeah, what's the line set up? I want to say it's seventy three and a half. Hmm. Seventy three and a half. Are you are you going
2: over or under? Like I'll never take the under on Chestnut. I don't know if I'm putting putting money up on him, but you know, if you just ask me over or under, I, I'm never gonna never gonna take the under on on Chestnut. It feels like a year. He
1: might break his own record. Maybe he gets to eighty. Now that's what I mean. I, last year I was hoping he would go ahead and and break his hot dog record, but I, I just, the, when he wins it, you, you win the mustard belt for for becoming an eater. Now, if you were to sit there and try to guess what a competitive eater, and, and Joey Chestnut is probably the biggest competitive eater that that there is in, in the world as far as name recognition standpoint. How, how much do you think he, he earned just last year alone from competitive eating, just from competitive eating?
2: Like not including any sponsorships, no sponsors, or not, ju- not including
1: sponsors, just, just, just from eating. Yeah, just for eating. I, I, I don't know. a million dollars, five hundred thousand dollars. Wow, is what I'm sure Joey he makes Chestnut. a lot more
2: from, oh, from people when who want to be in his sponsorship.
1: Chestnut, <laughs> whether it's Pepto Bismol or Pepsi Cola, I mean that's the perfect sponsor right there. You're looking at close to four million dollars earned. You
2: think uh, you think he's like one of the greatest athletes of all time?
1: I'm gonna be honest with you. I consider him to be one of the greatest athletes of all time. I would maybe
2: consider – I'd take it a step further and maybe call him the greatest athlete of all time. I, I,
1: I'm not going to take it that far. But I will say that he, to me, competitive eating is a sport. What he's able to consume, what he's able to do, as far as from a eating com- competition standpoint, yeah, I, I think that he is definitely he's definitely the eating goat.
2: I'll frame it this way. Well, no no doubt he's the eating goat. That's not even up for debate. Joey Chestnut I mean, obviously there are plenty of great athletes. You sure. know, you can have the LeBron Jordan debate yeah. all day. LeBron does things Jordan could have done, Jordan does things LeBron could have done, whatever. Joey Chestnut does things that not another human being who has ever lived <laughs> on planet Earth can do. I, I think he's the greatest athlete to ever live. I, like, he does things that the human body is not capable of. I, it, I'm,
1: I will say on a yearly basis. He definitely does things that my human body stomach can't do. Anyone's. With. And for many, many others as well, because when you look from a female standpoint, so she she sets the mark in 2020 eating 48 and a half. And I mean you, name
2: me another sport where it's a foregone conclusion every year that the Super Bowl of said sport we already know who's going to win. I mean it you, doesn't you, exist. You, you,
1: you just want to see what the margin is going to be. That's what because I mean. I I don't think I, I don't think he wakes up the day before a major eating contest and says, "Look, I I had a bad day." To where it's it's like the NBA finals. There are or, no bad days for him. No, I mean you you, you sit there in other sports, you can get beat by 21 night and turn around. Just look at the College World Series. You get beat by 20 runs the next day, you win by 14 runs. You just don't have bad days. And uh Michael Braunner has made the statement that he feels Joey Chestnut is the greatest athlete of all time. He is better at his sport than any than other athlete.
2: Any athlete has ever been at their sport ever yes that's That's not even a
1: disagreeable statement no i mean when you look at the amount of what he's won 15 of the past 16 years we'd love to hear from you guys 251-694-1055 or you can correspond with us in the app as far as you look at the dominance in other sports i don't care what the sport is whether it's tennis whether it's golf whether it's basketball the the number of not only consecutive championships not losing since 2015 but as far as winning 15 of the past 16 years there there's not another sport that you can think of competitive eating or elsewhere to where you've had a champion the same champion 15 out of 16 years so as far as him jumping in there and being able to go ahead and be the twinkie eating champion, being the boiled <laughs> egg champion, being the hard boiled egg eating champion, the chicken wing champion, and being able to consume that many dogs tomorrow seventy three and a half over under i'm I'm going over I'm taking the over too and and all you know every Fourth of
2: July we have the opportunity to witness greatness. And, you know, tomorrow
1: is no different. At 11 o'clock on ESPN2, I'm definitely going to be sitting in front of my television to see exactly how many he can consume. And some people can't just stand watching someone dip hot dogs. Uh, he, yeah. He, his only bad day is the day after his contestants. You're exactly right about that. <laughs> I, 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 like I that's like a machine
2: too. He after the contest, he goes oh, he's and like drinks out. twenty beers. He's, and, got, like, it, he's he, got it. He, figured he's got it. He's
1: a machine. He, he's definitely. He's got it more than figured out in regards to what he's able to do. But you know, I asked you. You said Koneka sausage, or is your favorite Fourth of July? I, yeah, I've what's gotta yours? Go, I've got to go with the barbecue ribs. Got it. Got to mm. have the barbecue ribs, and you, you definitely. We can go into the sides. You know when you when you have your Koneka sausage. What what do you like to have with your Koneka sausage? Ooh, I like baked
2: beans. Yep. I Like mac and cheese. Yeah. I'm not a big coleslaw guy. Okay. I don't, I don't know how you feel about coleslaw. No, I,
1: I, I saw something yesterday. That made me want to vomit. As far as somebody came up with the idea of a cold slaw push-up ice cream, ugh! Yeah, yeah, that 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 was probably one of the nastiest things that you could even come up with frozen cold slaw, as far as making it into an ice cream bar. That is true. Why? Who asked for that? I I have no, I mean, I know coleslaw comes out of the refrigerator and everything, but coleslaw and a popsicle, that that was disgusting. And we'll have an opportunity to talk more, much more about 4th of July favorites, favorite 4th of July traditions, all that coming back on the other side of the final drive here on WNSP 105.5. This is Richie Riley, the head men's basketball coach of South Alabama. There's nothing better than listening to WNSP Sports Radio 105.5 FM. Welcome back to the Final Drive here on WNSP 105.5. Corey Labounty, along with my producer, Michael Bronner, joining you this Monday afternoon, a little pre-4th of July action here in the studio. And Of course, if you got to come in pre-4th of July, you you always have to get your taste buds ready and right for what you're going to partake in on tomorrow. And of course, 9 o'clock, the city of Mobile tomorrow night, having their fireworks explosions that will be taking place downtown. And that's always a great place to be as there's always nice crowds and the weather is supposed to hold off to where we don't have a lot of rain tomorrow but someone in the app said gotta have a seafood ball on the 4th of July well seafood ball is a little bit different. I love fried mm. fish on the 4th of July. you can't go wrong but you know you're at the right type of party when they have ribs, they have fish, they have chicken and of course those are your your, your meat groups and then you turn around and you have it covered with the mac and cheese potato salad, coleslaw barbecue baked beans now do do you like do you like ground beef in your in your baked beans Bronner? sure yeah Yeah, you can't you can't go wrong bacon you can go can't go wrong there any little sweet honey flavor there to try out so you get your plate full there of course your mac and cheese i I love the homemade mac and cheese for sure Mm. instead of going the velveeta route. You, you like to Nothing see Nothing wrong with Velveeta now. Don't <laughs> discriminate. No, you, you know I mean, <laughs> cheese is cheese, but the Velveeta shells and cheese, I love the 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 twice-baked macaroni and cheese. That's always a great one. And and like I say, when you have fish and some people, when they're seafood boiled, they decide to do the grits too, the cheese grits. You can't go wrong with your friends and family. Now, from a dessert standpoint... <laughs> oh, we didn't even get to dessert. Yeah, dessert. The, the dessert standpoint... On the 4th of July, man, you, you can go with the pound cake. You can go with the red velvet cake. You can go cheesecake, uh, cupcakes, anything that, that contains a lot of sugar there. I, I'm all for. And I think that, you know, people say traditional is apple pie or blueberry pie. And, of course, you, you, you can't have a 4th of July barbecue without having the watermelon. And the watermelon is what makes it, and tops it all off. Now I, I love the seedless watermelon. Oh, I don't care. So so d- watermelon. Don't now, have you ever had the yellow watermelon? Like maybe once. You know, watermelon. So, so basically, is wa-
2: I mean, if it's not red, you know, it it's gotta be
1: red. So so you you're definitely a red watermelon type guy. I you, think you, most people are. Yeah, you know, the yellow yellow's a little bit sweeter. Hmm. It's a little bit sweeter. Uh, you know, it's probably from a visual standpoint, wrong for you. But there's plenty of, I know Grand Bay has their watermelon festival mm-hmm. that's going on and the different types and shapes and colors of the watermelon that Grand Bay puts on. I know that they're, again, supposed to have great weather today and tomorrow for, for that. So I'm thinking about making a ride out to Grand Bay and checking out some some sweet watermelon Cause I, I like the yellow watermelon. I think it becomes a little bit sweeter than the red. But as far as from a dessert standpoint, what what is your go to outside of of watermelon? Hmm. I like apple pie. Apple pie. I like cheesecake. Now, if if you're gonna go with the the apple pie, do you go ahead and and put ice cream on yours as well with the whipped cream, or you just you just go straight great baked crust with the apple pie? Well
2: it's better with ice cream. You know, if there's <laughs> I- if, if there's ice cream <laughs> present, I'm going to put some ice cream on it. But uh, you know, it's uh it doesn't have to have ice cream, but it's better with ice cream, so, you know, I'll
1: I'll I'll take it if it's there. Have you ever been to a 4th of July barbecue or a 4th of July setting to where they've had the seafood bowls? Not a seafood boy. No,
2: again, that's the northerner in me. I, you know, I haven't been in uh, in Mobile too long. So, you know, if someone wants to invo- invite me out to their seafood bowl, a- maybe, absolutely, I'll, maybe I'll join. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I haven't been to a seafood boil on 4th of July.
1: You, you can't go wrong there. I've been you to steal, a crawfish boil, but Steel Tide says high yellow watermelon. <laughs> it's, it's, it's un-American. Yeah. It's we're, un-American. to have to talk about it, it, that. It's, it's, a, it's a little bit I think bit it might sweeter. be. Like, visually... For sure, it, it's definitely not what you expect to see. Uh, but but as far as the way it does taste, I, I would take a little bit of both. No yellow of
2: them. stripe on the American no, flag. No 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 yellow
1: <laughs> no yellow stripe. There is there. a red stripe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pl- plenty of stripes there. Now, you know you know the kids love the push up pops. Um, but uh, again, with all seriousness, you know just be careful with those fireworks. Be careful around the water because we've seen so many drownings here along the Gulf Coast lately that, that it has been tragic and you de- you definitely don't want to you don't want to get in that water if the red flags are in and definitely want to be careful with the with the fireworks because they can be dangerous too but you know at the same time everyone wants to have a great time and we're in here having a great time a little pre Fourth of July celebration here at WNSP 105.5 and when we come back We'll talk to Tony Sakalis and, and get his thoughts on yellow watermelon. See if he's tried any of that or what his favorite now is. He's a northerner, he's too. so hey, We'll ask him about the Koneka sausage. We'll, we'll find out what his favorite is for sure. We'd love to hear from you. 251 694 1055. Or you can correspond with us in the app. The final drive. We'll be right back.
0: Hey, this is former Mobile TV sportscaster Eric Clemens, and when I'm in town, I listen to 105.5 FM Sports Radio, WNSP.
1: Welcome back to the final drive here on WNSP 105.5. Corey Labounty, along with my producer, Michael Bronner, joining you this pre-4th of July, Monday afternoon. And again, we want to thank everyone for having us tuned in and of course you can correspond with us in the app or give us a call at 251-694-1055 and our next guest tony Sakalis, always has fireworks and explosion with news in regards to how he covers the crimson tide tony happy early fourth of july my friend how you doing
3: hey how's it going happy early fourth to you as well
1: too blessed to be stressed my friend and let's get the bama bad news out of the way of course the ncaa infractions that were given to different sports that were involved whether it's level one level two level three violations you never love to see those violations that will cost you scholarships or whatever but only a few and a couple of men's basketball and women swimming and diving men's tennis women's tennis women's golf and track and field so nothing really that had or would cost Alabama something moving down the line
3: yeah these are just things that happen every single year um it's just a formality almost i mean it, they're self reported none of these are are big time infractions none of them are going to have any implications if you hadn't heard about them Last week, you probably never hear about them. You know, it's things that you know. It's, it's you, know, you. look at it and you think, oh, nine infractions. Uh, what's going on? But they're just every team has these. Uh, Alabama puts them out on a news dump right at the end of July, or uh, sorry, right at the beginning of July, and, and it's really nothing to worry about from a from an Alabama perspective.
1: Well, see, that's that's big time news along with with the football program this weekend, getting a huge commitment from Jameer Grimsley. Tell us a little bit about his decision to go ahead. Here's a, a Florida athlete that spurns the Gators and the Seminoles and decides to go ahead and and turn to the tide.
3: Yeah, I mean, anytime you can add to the class is is, is a big deal, Um and I think you know, like you said, getting somebody from you know out of the state like that is a is a big is a big get. And you know, um, things are really about to heat up for Alabama. Uh, you know, I think you know there might be a couple more commitments on the way. So you just kind of kind of like you know, kind of keep your eyes open because I think there's it's going to be a pretty active month coming up. There's, you talked about fireworks. There's, there's going to be some some more fireworks moving forward.
2: Tony, I want to ask you a basketball question after the departure of javon quinterly nato it's got busy again in the portal it didn't seem like at first they would use the last scholarship uh or the last roster spot now it appears they could two west virginia players both available you know uh i think it's wagye uh is was headed to kansas state there were rumors he had committed and then you know all of a sudden he's headed to alabama
3: yeah, you've got two, like you said, two players from uh, West Virginia. The interesting thing is, that, you know, if they get the the six ten guy, I think, you know, all of a sudden Alabama's got a lot of front court depth. Where before, you know, it was just a couple weeks ago we were kind of worried about Alabama's front court depth, and all of a sudden now they're going to be a pretty long athletic team if they can land the, the people they want to land. Um, so I think, you know, uh, it, it's pretty exciting, and it just shows that like. No matter how many punches Nate Oates takes in this, uh, you know, in this off season, he keeps on responding more and more. I think it's, it, you know, it's been an excellent recruiting job by him and his staff. You know, keep in mind he lost two assistants. Uh, no, sorry, he lost all three assistants. Um, he, you know, lost people at the last two people at the last minute in uh, Betty Occo and Javon Quinterly, and he's still going to put up a, a squad that I think is going to be able to contend in the SEC. So that is. Uh, you just can't say enough about you know their, their ability to bounce back as, as a program.
2: I mean, Tony, it's to the point where opposing fan bases are accusing Nate Oates of cheating I mean sure sure that's the, that's the best mark of a recruiter you can have.
3: Yeah, I mean that's usually the case. I think everybody everybody accuses everyone of cheating and you know especially in basketball recruiting where it just been so fluid and there's, there's all these moving parts. Uh, that that is usually a sign that you're doing it right. Uh, if if teams are or if opposing fans are are saying that you're cheating, if you're not being accused of cheating, by opposing fans who are admittedly you know irrational, I think you're you're probably not doing enough. You're probably not trying hard enough.
1: Well, that's a great thing. Uh, again, I've heard that statement made by many coaches across the country. If you're not accused of cheating, that means you're you're probably not doing something right. But Alabama also able to flip, not only in football, able to get the recruit in Jameer, they're also able to get, is it Asiya Faga? Am I saying that correctly from Central I, of Phoenix City?
3: Yeah, I, I think it's Faga, Faga. Um, but anyways, the like guy, you know, uh, an in-state kid that they were able to flip from Utah. Uh, and, and, you know, you talk about it, it, it kind of goes both ways, right? Um you talk about the importance of grabbing some of those kids from other states and you know, away from Florida, but it's also important to take care of your own. Um, he's a big guy, uh, you know, a big defensive tackle. He's not maybe the highest-rated kid, but I think you know, um, I think he's got some potential, and it, it, he's a you know in-state kid on the rise. And you just can't have, you know, you can't just ignore uh, the state as well. You know, Alabama's a national brand, but it's also got to take care of its in-state recruits, and I think it did so here.
1: Well, I'll tell you, one of the interesting things that I'm going to be watching tonight is Brandon Miller supposed to be making his pro debut tonight on ESPN2. And Win Benyama is also going to participate, but I don't think he's going to play tonight. I think they're going to match up on July 7th later on as these teams kind of recycle and now. play one another. Yeah. Yeah, but but when, yeah, you t- when you look at Brandon, I mean, the excitement that he has tonight to see him in a Charlotte Hornets uniform.
3: Yeah, I I, I mean, I think it's what he's been waiting for and and just to see how he, you know, performs and and, kind of how he adjusts to the NBA level. It's not quite an NBA game, of course, but um, I think it's exciting. I think it's going to be exciting when he goes against Wemby. You know, you can't take everything out of these, you know, summer league matchups, but um, I I think it's definitely something you want to see.
1: Yeah, I'm excited about that and the fact that when you look at Alabama basketball, you also have to look at those who continue to pave the way. And Herb Jones is one here right around the I ten quarter from us here at Mobile, receiving that big time contract. That that's good for Herb, and Herb has worked hard with the Pelicans to go ahead and get paid.
3: Yeah, I mean and it, it who would have thought that, you know, we'd be talking about Herb Jones at, at one point in his, you know, in his Alabama career. Not now now Obviously, you know, later on, he developed into the star player, but you know, early on in Herb's career, I don't think we would be talking about this guy that's you know, signed such a lucrative multi-year, uh, big money deal in the NBA, and it just shows you the development and, and the surge of Alabama basketball. I think he is a good product of, you know, just look at what, you know, Nate Oates is building, where if you took someone... That I thought everyone thought was a decent player coming out turned him into a superstar, and now that player is turning into a, a, you know an NBA vet uh, that that's you know just took home a big time contract. That's gonna only help recruiting from Alabama moving forward. And I think you know you're gonna get more and more of these kind of success stories. Herb's probably the first. You uh, know, obviously you had Colin Sexton as well, but um, yeah, I think that this is a, a big moment for Alabama basketball, it, just in terms of. For, a, just because I think it's cool to see good things happen to her, but B, just for the recruiting aspect of what they can show kids uh, about you know, what they can become if they join the program and all that basketball.
2: Talking to Tony Sakalis, managing editor at Tide Illustrated. Tony, do you give Charles Bidiaco any real chance to make the Spurs roster, or, or not really?
3: I don't think right away. I, I just don't see him being developed enough to play in the NBA. he got Obviously, seven foot—you can't teach that—and he's got good defensive skills. But this is a guy that averaged six and six, and you know, for Alabama, uh, he doesn't have enough of an offensive game. He—he um, he needs to develop. I think he can develop into a good player, and I think you know, he could have done that at Alabama. Maybe he does that, you know, in the G League. Um, we'll just have to see. But I don't—I don't necessarily see him being ready. You know, he could surprise me, but I don't see him ready to be at the NBA level or really anywhere close to it.
1: As we're two weeks away from SEC media days getting started up, uh, the the hype that have gone into really early enrollees and into the spring practice was with Caleb Downs. And that's a name that we've talked about over and over again. And I think that we'll continue to talk about Caleb Downs from a defensive back standpoint for this secondary The secondary really has a a chance to to be one of the strengths for Alabama moving into this 2023 season.
3: Yeah, definitely. There's going to be a lot of new faces, but there's also, you know, plenty of depth. I mean, uh, you do lose four starters, but you kind of get an extra starter in uh, two extra starters, really, in uh, Malachi Moore and Terry and Arnold, who, you know, I don't think – I think most people consider those guys starters, even though – especially Arnold last year, but Malachi – has been with the Alabama first team defense for most of his career, you know? So I think he's a guy that has a lot of experience. Obviously you've got Clay McKinstry, uh, but then you've got some some young guys too. Like you said with Downs, um, you know, you've got guys like Jake Pope uh, who are, is kind of coming up, uh, you know, could be a breakout guy. Uh, and then you brought in two transfers as well. And Trey Amos and, and Jalen Key, and so all of a sudden, you know, things are, are looking pretty good. And I didn't even mention Earl Little. That's another one of the young guys coming up, um, redshirted last year, but could be part of the starting defense as well. Um, you know, we'll have to see how that all pans out. And You know, there might be some early growing pains just because that is a lot of new faces we just talked about. But I think, uh, you know, in terms of talent, this is a really deep group, and it could end up being a, a real strength of Alabama.
1: The wide receiver room, I think that anytime you have a new quarterback, no matter who is going to be under center, I think that that's going to be a place where to be able to stretch the field in the comfort level of any Alabama quarterback has to be able to go ahead and stretch it 20 to 30 yards and throw it on the money the way that Bryce Young has definitely done.
3: Yeah, I think the the big guy when you look at that is going to be Malik Benson, the 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 JUCO transfer. I think you know if Alabama's you know receiving core is going to be elite, it's going to be through him. I think um, I have him you know projected pretty high. I think he's you know Alabama's real shot of having a thousand yard receiver if there is going to be one. uh, They're they're going to spread out the targets a lot. There's a really deep unit, just kind of like what we talked about with secondary. They've got a lot of guys that you know can really make a difference. Uh, but Malik Benson's a guy I feel like can stretch the field, and I think he'll make a guy like, you know, Jaquarii Brooks, Jermaine Burton, um, Kobe Prentice, Isaiah Bond. He'll make all those guys better just by by stretching the field. And then you know, he also got some burners uh, in Prentice, Bond, and uh, Kendrick Law coming out of the slot. So I think all of them is going to be able to. They had some speed last year. But there's a lot of young speed. I think between the experience of those three, you know, sophomore slot receivers that I just rattled off, and also Malik Benson, I feel like you're getting more experienced speed uh, and people that can not just win a track meet, but also start to run routes a little bit better and be more reliable options. And I think that's really going to open up the offense.
2: Does whoever ends up being the starting quarterback impact your projection as to whether Alabama can have a thousand yards, whether it's Benson or anyone else, really?
3: I, I yeah, Maybe, I mean, I, you know, if, if you're going to have a more – I think you have to run the ball a little bit more with with the guy like Jalen Milrow, but I still think you're going to pass it a lot. I I think I think there's a chance of having a thousand yard receiver with any of those guys because I don't necessarily think the offense is going to be that drastically different. I, I will say, if Milrow wins the job, I don't think there'll be a thousand yard running back because um, I think that you know that's a guy that could get seven or eight hundred yards is himself on the ground. And I just don't see there being, you know, with the way that they're going to spread out the ball in the backfield, I don't see them getting, you know, a thousand yards with a, with a guy that shoot. shoot Jalen Miller could get a thousand yards himself, um, so I don't know if that will impact it, but I, I still think it's a possibility regardless.
1: Well, we know the possibilities are endless for your Crimson Tide coverage. And before we let you go, I have a, a couple of questions for you in regards to the Fourth of July. 73 and a half over under on joey chestnut tomorrow winning the nathan's hot dog eating contest what do you have
3: Ne no, you never bet against joey chestnut one of the best athletes of our uh of our era so um i, I gotta go i gotta go over with that i'm a, I'm a huge joey chestnut fan i think he's uh I just You just never bet against a guy like that. He's a, he's an all-star at what he does.
1: <laughs> it's amazing. When you look at it, Tony, I mean, the man has 54 eating category records. So I, I'm with you. It's must-see television tomorrow at 11 o'clock on ESPN2. And what is your go-to 4th of July protein? Is, is it the ribs? Is it the chicken? I mean, what what is it for you?
3: Look, I don't – or, or anything like that. So I go with whatever I can get. Um, <laughs> consistently, I always get at least a hot dog in there. Okay. You know, like I'm always good for a hot dog. Um, as far as, you know, I, I do like more barbecue. But it, you know, I'm, I'm a Texas boy, so you don't always get it, but over here, but I'd like a nice brisket. Okay. I think that'd be kind of good. A nice barbecue brisket. Uh, pulled pork sandwich, though. Uh, I can do that. Even a burger. I'm not picky. Uh, you know, that's the thing. Uh, whatever I can get, I'm I, I'm going to be really thankful for it.
1: No question about that. And, and I've I got to ask you about your thoughts on Koneka sausage. Are you a, a Koneka sausage dog lover? Is, is that the...
3: Oh, no. def- definitely. That's <laughs> one of the best things that Alabama does. That, so Alabama, the Koneka dog... Uh, and then the white barbecue sauce on chicken, Yes, Alabama hit it out of the park on that. Yeah, on both Balmauer. of those things, yeah. from a barbecue standpoint, that is elite. Yeah, there's there's not a lot of states that can, can match what Alabama can do with those two things.
1: Love it. Love it, Tony Sakalis being converted to, to the white barbecue sauce as well. Tony, how can people follow all of your great coverage of the Alabama Crimson Tide?
3: Yeah, the site's Tide Illustrated. Or you can go to alabama.rivals.com. You can follow us at Ty Illustrated on Twitter, or you can follow me at Tony underscore Cicallis on Twitter as well.
1: Tony, have a great 4th of July. Look forward to talking to you again next week, and we'll see what kind of record Joey Chestnut was able to smash tomorrow.
3: All right, definitely. See you
1: guys. Tony Cicalis joining us here on the final drive, and we'll be right back.
4: Hi, this is Mark Malone, former NFL quarterback. You're
3: listening to 105.5 WNSP.
1: Welcome back to the final drive here on WNSP 105.5. And I want to thank Tony Sakalis for joining us this afternoon. And, of course, coming up, we'll have David Waters, who will give us the Gators breakdown The Swamp down in Gainesville, going to get a $400 million facelift. And we'll talk to David Waters about that. And after we get off with him, we'll talk briefly with Cody Flournoy, who is the head football coach at Jackson High School. And he has a couple of high... Prospects on his roster, they came down and they played Theodore in the spring game. So, looking forward to talking to Coach Cody about the Jackson Aggies and the prospects that they have. John Roschetti will join us at four thirty, and Zach Blackerby will join us at five o'clock. And you know, Michael, we were talking about your favorite Fourth of July food. To where you you love the Koneka. Again, you can't go wrong with ribs chicken hamburgers some people love seafood balls some people love the fried fish macaroni and cheese i know some people who even go big on the mashed potatoes for the fourth of july coleslaw barbecue baked beans of course is always something that's on the plate and we had someone in the app who said that they go ahead and make some homemade cinnamon streusel cake Mm. and anything that's homemade that has cinnamon and streusel in it. They sent a picture of how it looks with some fruit on top of it. That The, the Cool Whip is Shoot. definitely a way to go on the 4th of July. You have to have Ooh. that on deck for sure. Man. Oh, Goody. How are we supposed to sit here for the next I, two I, I mean, it'll, it'll definitely make your mouth water to where I was talking to someone earlier who already had the grill fired up and and pre-cooking their meat and their ribs and they're ready for the 4th of july to where all their work is already done but that's one of the things too that as you see late tomorrow night the smoke in the air from the fireworks that will be held in downtown you, you also have the smokes of everybody around the neighborhood on the grills and you see the type of company and everyone jumping in the water within the pools or trying to stay cool. And this is a hot enough time of year to where July, as we turn the calendar to July, it's already normally hot. You're looking at, you know, low nineties, but when you turn it up to go ahead and be hot enough to go ahead and bake chicken without lighting any coals on the grill, then Fried you know an it's egg hot. on the sidewalk. Fried egg on the sidewalk. You know, it's super duper hot. So, It's just a way for everyone to kind of sit and enjoy, whether it's the beach. I know I tend tomorrow and definitely this evening. You you might as well go ahead and pack your patience because getting to the beach anywhere tomorrow is going to be a very, very meticulous task. So pack your patience and pack your sunscreen so you can take care of yourself. And with 4th of July falling on a Tuesday, that workday Wednesday, You know, you you don't want to stay out too late or eat too much, so you can't come to work on that Wednesday. But you love it when the holidays fall, either on a Friday or a Monday to make that long weekend. But we're going to make the best of it as we continue to bring you our number two of the final drive. Coming up, David Waters, Gators Breakdown, will join us with the $400 million renovation to the Swamp. Welcome to our number two of the final drive here on WNSP 105.5. Corey LeBounty, along with my producer, Michael Brauner joining you this pre-4th of July Monday. And we hope everyone does have a great 4th of July tomorrow as we will be off of the air enjoying our 4th of July celebrations. And we wanted to get someone who will probably enjoy their 4th of July celebrations, but it's probably as hot in Gainesville as it is here in Mobile, Alabama, as that heat wave has made its way over Florida. David Waters, he is the creator and host of the Florida Gators podcast. Gators Breakdown makes his debut here on the final drive. David, how's everything going in the swamp, my friend?
5: Pretty good, pretty good. About to run through a thunderstorm, I think. So, uh, of course, that's, uh, that's just what we deal with this time of year.
1: Absolutely. And I tell you, there were there was a little thunder and lightning going on with the Florida Gators football program today as it was announced that they're going to be getting a $400 million Facelift for the Swamp down in Gainesville. And it's probably a little bit overdue in regards to upgrades and, and kind of having the have and the have-nots in seeing what other SEC schools are doing. But I know the Swamp is one of the toughest places to play at full capacity in the SEC.
5: Yeah, yeah, you mentioned capacity there. That's something the fan base does not want to uh You know, get reduced here in these renovations, it probably will happen some. Uh, you know, I think you know, one of the biggest uh, probably requests have been more chair back seats and getting getting rid of a lot of the bench seating. Uh, and look, that's only going to reduce capacity just a little bit, you know. So maybe they can add some seats somewhere else. You know, the student side's a little lower uh, on that side. So maybe add some more seats maybe to that side and rearrange some of the seating uh, there. But I mean, it's longer to do for things like the video board, uh, the speakers in the stadium, uh, the lighting, you know, all these SEC stadiums, especially in Alabama and Georgia. You have these huge LED lighting set up and sync to the music and all that stuff. And your farm not there yet with that. You know, kind of behind on that regard. So uh yeah you know those those are probably some of the you know, the basics I think you look at maybe widening the concourse uh they have to ship a lot of their food in on game day you know and just have to keep it warm don't cook a lot inside of the stadium, so you probably get some you know kitchen renovations along with the stadium as well so yeah four hundred million dollars definitely uh you, you that's nothing to you know shake a stick at there so uh, honestly you know it, it, yeah longer be doing it in a lot of ways, but you know, I still think uh you know, you want that capacity you want uh you know the swamp to kind of Keep that uh, charm that it's known for. Scott Strickland, the athletic director, in this, you know, has been talking to people uh, and talking to companies about, you know, who did Fenway Park and their renovation, Lambeau Field, and all that. You know, being able to keep the charm of, you know, the older, you know, older style of the stadium while renovating at the same time. So, if you're going to do that, it's a delicate balance there, uh, when you look at what Scott Strickland wants to, uh, what he wants the Swamp to continue to look like in the future
1: ben hill griffin stadium also known as the swamp is a place that billy napier is now calling home and roaming the sidelines the biggest question for the florida gators going into the offseason you can't really question the the recruiting here that has really been turned up for this 24 recruiting class but As much as most SEC schools are are dealing with this time of year, the quarterback position, is that going to be one of the biggest questions coming into this 23 season for Billy Napier?
5: Yeah, I, I don't think it's so much of a question if it's going to be Grant Merch, you know, to do the transfer from from Wisconsin. I, I think he's going to end up being the starter for Florida. Uh, it's just how you know how good can he be? Uh, Florida's going to be carried by an offensive line. He's going to be carried by some running backs. You know, re- really good there. Uh, but you know, and Grant mer's gonna have to carry the team, but he's going to have to carry moments. You know, there's there's going to be a an important third down in the game or late in the game that he's going to have to convert. So, you know, there's going to be situations where he's Going to have to put the team on his back, uh, but it's not going to be a, a consistent, uh, uh, you know, I think storyline that we're going to see is Grand going out here and throwing for three hundred yards a game. Uh, I don't think that's going to be the case. You know, Florida would be content with, you know, running the ball 40, 45 times a game and, and just making, converting third downs there for Graham Mertz. Uh, he was a much better play-action quarterback at Wisconsin, uh, and for whatever reason, given that offense, they barely ran play-action with him. They put him in a lot of bad spots, you know, run on first down, run on second down, and go try and convert third and seven, third and eight. and You know, that's not a lot of, you know, set up for success there, you know, but I think the, the, the thing we're asking ourselves is did he hold the Wisconsin offense back or did the Wisconsin offense hold him back? I think we'll get our answer this fall. Uh, Certainly, you know, uh, of course, on the offensive side of the ball, the biggest question for the Gators is just how good he can be.
2: David, what would it take for, like, how bad would the season have to go for some, some real noise to start raising around Billy Napier?
5: Well, you know, you just brought up recruiting, and that will quell a lot of it. Um, no, look, it's not like he's going out there and selling recruits that Florida's going to go out there and win ten games this season. Uh, you know, and I think I think uh, a lot of people know that. Uh, you know, so what would a bad season do to affect the recruiting? I don't know necessarily all that much because, as like I said, there's not really a lot to sell uh, on Florida this year. Um, as far as noise ramping up, you know, as long as recruiting's going. Uh, well, you know, it'd be hard to fathom Florida going 6-6 six and six for a third straight year uh, in the regular season, but it's certainly possible, uh, with, you know, given that schedule, who they play, opening up with Utah, uh, playing an improved Florida State at a conference, and then, of course, given their their normal SEC schedule, uh, it's going to be tough. And, you know, I think if you can find a way to get eight wins, I, I don't think anybody's going to be disappointed in that. But you still, you know, you go 6-6 six six again, it's just going to be like, well, you know, here, here we go. And it's just, I, I think the worry. Mostly would be, you know, we still haven't had, a, had the question answered. Is he the guy? You know, if it's six and six again, you know, even given um, the, the roster deficiency compared to you know upper tier of the SEC, there's still going to be too many moments I think where coaching is going to make a difference. You know, talent's not going to be the excuse when Florida goes up against Kentucky and Missouri and Vanderbilt and Tennessee and uh, South Carolina and, and Arkansas. Uh, so you know, that's when that's when Billy Napier's coaching is going to have to kind of really show through there. And I think if it it comes through, you know, Florida's probably looking at seven, eight wins. But, you know, if it's kind of, you know, middle eight portion of the game where Florida really struggled last year in in the late first half and beginning of the second half, and we see some of those issues and the quarterback play kind of stays subpar, I think it's just going to kind of leave that question open if, you know, if he's going to be the guy to get it done. Uh, But I do think with the way recruiting's going, they're going to give him that chance to kind of, you know, bear the fruit of this 2024 class before anything is really, you know, put too much
1: on him we're speaking with david waters again he's the creator and host of the florida gators podcast gators breakdown and shamar james is a young man that comes here to from is from mobile alabama and faith academy and you look at Lamichael p ryan along with Kadarius Tony, the, the success that Florida has had tapping in to this Mobile, Alabama market. And I know that Billy Napier is very familiar with all of the talent that's right here in this Mobile, Baldwin County area as well. But Shamar's role this year as a sophomore linebacker, I know he played a lot of special teams. Do you, do you look for Shamar to be a difference maker defensively or on the field more for the Gators this season?
5: Oh, absolutely! Shamar is going to be a huge, huge integral part of this Florida Gator defense. And Austin Armstrong's first season's defensive coordinator, uh, you know, and he's going to be really hands-on with this linebacker group. Shamar James, I think, is really, really going to, you know, bear bear the benefit of that. And you know, he was a all-SEC freshman last year uh, in limited role behind Ventril Miller, behind Amari Bernie. But he's going to be high, highly counted on there. I think with Taraji Mitchell, uh, the transfer from Ohio State, he's being Florida's top two linebackers there. And you, know, you hope he lives up to that recruiting. Program. Profile there, when know it was a battle for the big boys there in the SEC uh, for, for you know to, to get him there. He, he comes with the coaching change between Dan Mullen and Billy Napier. Uh, you know was committed to Dan Mullen that previous staff, decommitted, uh, and then Billy Napier ends up getting him anyway. So uh, yeah, I think he paid immediate immediate dividends uh, last year, and I think you know, that will continue into his second season this year. And you are know, really looking forward to that growth for him. And I think he's going to be a player. Uh, you know, when, when it's all said and done, that uh, I th- you know I think Florida's going to improve a lot on defense under Austin Armstrong. I think they're better up front, too, and I do think given those two things will really help out this linebacker core, and I think Shamar James is going to be a, re- a name a lot of people are really going to know about by the time the end of the season gets here.
1: Got to love that if you're a Florida Gators fan, especially for the Gators fans that are here in Mobile, Alabama, and support Shamar James. Going to switch gears for you before we, we put you on, get ready for the 4th of July here. Your favorite 4th of July food. What is that go-to that David Waters has to have?
5: Oh, you, you can't beat ribs. I mean I, I'm a ribs guy anyway but you know barbecue on the 4th of July uh, for whatever reason it takes a little bit better when 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 the fireworks are getting ready to go off so you know I got I got to have that got to have those ribs baked beans potato salad you can't go wrong with
1: that There we go and again a great spread there mentioned by you and a great spread of covering Florida athletics by you on your podcast how can people follow everything that's going on with the Florida Gators
5: yeah, they can follow me on Twitter at GatorDave_Sec. underscore SEC. You can find Gators Breakdown on YouTube uh, and your favorite podcast platform.
1: David, thank you so much. Have a wonderful and safe Fourth of July and look forward to hopefully catching up with you at SEC Media Days here in a couple of weeks.
5: Absolutely. Thanks, guys. David
1: Waters joining us here on the final drive. Coach Cody Flournoy joining us next. He's the head football coach of the Jackson Aggies. The Aggies play theater. Or in a spring game, and the amount of talent that is on this 4A Jackson Aggies roster, we'll talk to Coach Flournoy all about it next here on The Final Drive.
6: Hi, this is Phil Hancock, Executive Director of the College Football Playoffs, and you are listening to WNSP 105.5 in Mobile.
1: Welcome back to The Final Drive here on WNSP 105.5. Corey Labonte along with my producer Michael Bronner, joining you this Monday afternoon and hoping everyone is staying cool and getting ready for their great cookouts and their 4th of July Independence Day on tomorrow. And I tell you, you know, the 4th of July fireworks are something that I always really enjoy to, to cap off and to top off the end of The 4th of July and the city of Mobile does a wonderful job with their fireworks, but the Jackson Aggies came down here last month or really at the end of May and took on the Theodore Bobcats and put off their own fireworks. And that was because they had one of the nation's youngest and best quarterbacks in Landon Duckworth calling the shots, and their head football coach, Cody Flornoy of the Jackson Aggies, joins us now on the final drive. Coach, hope all is well.
4: Hey, uh, happy Fourth of July. We're, we're traveling down the road. It's one of the few times we get to take uh, a little break as, uh, as we're kind of in the middle of the summer here as we're getting ready to go into, uh, you know, building up towards August and playing some real football.
1: Absolutely, Coach. I mean, you know, the AHSAA All-Star Weekend is right around the corner in regards to the coaches and athletic directors' meetings. But you Jackson Aggies in 4A football. I know last year, losing in the first round to Andalusia left a sour taste in the Aggies' mouths. And you guys have worked <laughs> tremendously hard and have been motivated. And when you have people like Nasir Power and, of course, Uh, not only Nasir, you have Keon Chapman playing a little wide receiver for you, and you have Landon Duckworth. It it makes the offseason a little bit better when you have those type of players and those type of leaders.
4: Yeah, it does. Uh, Yeah, you you just hit our whole kind of season recap on on the head because we felt like we had a good football team last year. Losing in the first round is not something that Jackson normally does, but – you know we we're keeping that in the back of our mind as we preparing for this next season and uh you know you, you named some top guys coming out of that Theodore Spring game um we we're, we're still doing spring uh, up highway 43 and uh we were able to get on with uh, coach Mask and uh come down there at Theodore and and the game was set up in such a way that you know it helped our offenses cuz we never um, we never had to come out of a hole so uh, the format of the game is we started on the minus forty, uh, for twelve plays and if you scored you brought it back. So uh just kind of that setup for us helped us but uh we've seen some things. We we couldn't we couldn't run the ball so that made us throw the ball a little bit more than what we wanted, but man, uh when you got a good quarterback back there like Landon, um and then some big targets that uh, it it made it a lot easier. And uh so we we made some big plays and uh both Nasir Powell and Keon Chapman, uh, Junior Payne, uh Jamair and Gordon, uh, they all had some uh, good nights there against Theodore.
1: Well, well, the awesome part, Coach, about having athletes like a Landon Duckworth or like a Powell or like a Chapman is most of these guys are two-sport athletes. And here it is in the month of June. Not only do they participate in the seven-on-sevens, the camps and clinics, June is a big time situation for a lot of the basketball teams and coaches as well and and your guys jump right in there from stepping (laughs) off the football field for seven on seven to to being a dominant basketball team too so the Aggies basketball program has some dogs on it too
4: yeah the basketball team they were 27 and 5 last season so had a really good season there and you know, one of the things, just being athletic director and being at a small school, is hey, we're, we promote our kids and we want them to play. And a uh, several guys played some baseball this summer too. So, you know, just that's just the, the nature of a smaller school. Is where we want all our best athletes playing all the sports. But, you know, Landon and uh, and Red, that's Keon Chapman. Uh, they're, they're bouncing the ball off the backboard and dunking it, uh, and then they turn around the next day and come out there and throw a seven on seven. So. We had a full summer. We we already uh we went to Troy and uh went down to South Alabama, and lost to Sarah Land in the championship seven on seven down there and then uh we played over in the Foley seven on seven this past week and uh we were four and three over there. That's probably our worst one of the season, but uh, in that seven on seven game it's it's kind of a it comes down to whoever's got the ball last and we ended up losing to uh Daphne. They they scored there at the end, so uh just that's That's kind of that nature of seven on seven, but you know we we're building up to August, but one of the good things about throwing seven on seven is when you got landing and all of our targets out there uh that's what we do uh in the season, so some teams come out and throw and and they're they're run heavy teams, but not us. We like to play in space, and we got big targets, and uh we're gonna sling it around a little bit.
1: For those who didn't get an opportunity to hear about Landon Duckworth, that is the Jackson Aggies quarterback, and he, he's a young man that's six foot three, has not even hit 16 years of age yet, and has had a lot of. Uh, notifications from from some power five schools i mean he just he fits the part of a prototypical quarterback that can run it and sling it i know you've coached against a lot of great quarterbacks you you mentioned coming down here and competing in the foley seven on seven where trent Seaborn, a rising ninth grader has gotten a lot of accolades of course then you turn around and you play sarah land and kj lacy who's going to and verbally committed to Texas, the amount of great quarterbacks that are here in this area, whether it's Josh Flowers or K.J. Lacey or Duckworth, there's just some great quarterback competition that work with one another in the offseason, whether it's at QB country or play against one another in all these seven-on-sevens.
4: Yeah, you know what's kind of neat to me is that when Landon comes around, uh, he knows a lot of these guys because either they, they played on some AAU teams together uh, or they worked down, like you said, at QB country. So just to see the guys interact and then uh, get out there and compete. But, you know, that that's one of the things we talked about with Landon is that he started last year uh, 11 games for us, and he was a 14-year-old. He didn't turn 15 until the end of the season. And, and so right now he'll play this whole season as a 15-year-old. So uh, we just we're excited about – you know, just to watch him grow, uh, and and just get better because uh, we've seen it this spring where he's he's taking steps from last season. But he's a guy that works at it, and uh, he he's been around to a lot of camps and uh, been around a lot of schools. But he he gets his work in, and yeah, you know, he's got a good uncle that's that's coached him a lot of the way through, and his mom. They and they're 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 going to take him and make sure he's getting his work, and he works on the details and. You know, like taking them down to QB country, or or just getting out there throwing with our guys this summer. They they do that a lot,
1: and, and that's what it takes. I mean, Landon. he's probably already received a lot of interest from Alabama from Auburn from Troy from South Alabama I know those offers will continue to roll in I know at the spring game of course South Carolina was there Colorado was there Troy was there representatives from power five and non power five schools coach but that's great for your program because you have so many other players that will be seen as well Keon Chapman I think is the young man coming off of a torn ACL so a lot of people had not even heard of him prior to the spring game and then he's explosive and when you look out there and you see six two six three and six four at wide receiver for landing to throw to that's pretty special
4: yeah and and one of the things about being a small town uh, uh jackson and all all our schools up highway 43 have great tradition but Today's age is so much of athletes moving around and bouncing from school to school, and and that's one of the great things about being at Jackson is that uh, the the people that's playing here for me are are kids that their grandparents have played there, their their dads, their uncles, everybody. And so there's it's a lot of uh, grassroots uh, feeling there with with Jackson, where you know we're 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 not worried about. Our kids bouncing, and next year they're playing at another school. And, and you know, it, it may happen, but that's one of the things to pull to Jackson is that these kids that are playing for Jackson, uh, they're they're not playing uh, so much for me. They're playing for that name, Jackson, across their chest because they watch their granddads, their uncles, their brothers, and everybody else do it. And that's what's fun about being out of school. Um, even though we're four it, it's man, we, we produce some kids. And uh, that's like one of the things where uh, Walter Taylor's up at Vanderbilt. Uh, He was quarterback, big quarterback for us a few years ago. So uh, watching Landon come along, uh, we got a little bit of experience with big time quarterbacks and then we know kind of what it looks like. So, Uh, he's got that to pull from, too.
1: Well, looking forward to seeing your Aggies in action, of course. You guys, do you open up August 25th? Do you have that week zero opponent already scheduled, or will you go ahead and take that as an off week?
4: No, we'd like to play. Last year, we we had a preseason game with Wayne County, Mississippi, with uh, Coach Hankins over there, and – uh, because our schedule moved back with the state that it messed up the schedule with Mississippi we don't quite align yet and then uh, we lost our week five game against Thomasville where they just said they didn't want to play us. and that's kind of been a lot of that's been a big area of conversation uh, for us down here but I've been looking to kind of fill that and uh, had a few offers um, you know nothing that was really feasible but uh, you know, we we may be able to put something together. We we definitely want to play ten games, and so if we play at zero or five, it it still hasn't been. Uh, decided yet we're trying to get that 10th game but if if we don't get zero it's definitely uh, our first game is going to be against demopolis uh, and i think that's september 1st
1: it is it's september 1st at demopolis and again you end the season thursday november the second at davidson at their new stadium so never shine away from larger classification opponents as you try to get the jackson aggies to the blue map to where you guys ultimately want to be and and coach let, let me ask you this it's 4th of july tomorrow what's the go-to 4th of july food for yourself coach
4: i always like to uh smoke some ribs but you know uh we're, we're traveling right now we we take this time with family so uh, i think we'll we'll get some burgers or something on the grill for sure and uh, you know lights and fireworks and uh, just have a good time The the big thing for us about 4th of July is just having some celebration being around good friends and family and uh, just having some relaxing time and uh, just celebrating the 4th so that, that's a good recipe all the time get get you something good on the grill and then hang out with some good friends that's always a good recipe for uh, for a good
1: good holiday. Well, I tell you what, coach, your program has a recipe for success and it will be continued as you're entering your fifth season as the head coach of the Jackson Aggies. And you have some great playmakers and some great power five players that I know we'll be hearing from and talking about on Thursday and Friday nights. Coach, be safe. Enjoy your holiday week the rest of it that's left for tomorrow and before you get recharged and get going again in full speed to prepare for this upcoming right. season thank you so much coach i appreciate you for joining yeah, me here
4: thanks, thanks uh thanks for all y'all do
1: and go at you you got it coach cody Flournoy, joining us this afternoon here on the final drive coming up next we'll have john rachetti joining us to give us some updates on what's going on we'll have our dan hart LLC, Engineer Products and Services Golf Report, coming up next here on The Final Drive.
4: Hi, I'm Vern Lundquist from CBS Sports. You're listening to WNST
7: Mobile, Alabama.
1: Welcome back to The Final Drive on WNSP 105.5. Corey LeBounty, along with my producer, Michael Brauner, joining you this Monday afternoon and we want to thank everyone for having us locked in and of course you can get in touch with us on the app or you can give us a call at 251-694-1055 and of course every single week we love talking to my man John Reschetti and we're going to get the golf report brought to you by Dan Hart LLC engineer products and services how's it going Reschetti
6: well, I tell you what, Corey, it's a hot one. I mean, uh, you know, all us, uh, all the golfers tuned in right now, or just people in general. Please be hydrated and drink plenty of fluids, especially if you're out there playing golf. It is hot. We're in a heat wave, and uh, you got to drink plenty of fluids out there and to be safe, because it is—it's uh, a hot one out there. No question about it.
1: Hey, it, it really is, and I know. The golfers love to catch early morning or or late evening. But, I mean, when it's still 90 to 92 degrees, (laughs) when you start to swing the club at 6.30 and 7 o'clock, it's still the the love of golf definitely has to be there. Just like Ricky Fowler's love of golf was there this weekend as he was able to come away with the Rocket Mortgage Classic victory ending a four-year drought. Shetty, that's pretty impressive.
6: Well, you know, we talk about trends, right? I mean, uh, you know, Bronner's heard me say many, and many times, I mean, guys trending in the right direction. I mean, this guy's been trending in the right direction for months. Uh, He had a chance to win a bunch of tournaments, just quite didn't get the job done. But, you know, he he showed uh, a lot of wit yesterday. I mean, you know, made that great birdie on the 72nd hole. He didn't birdie the 71st hole, had to make a birdie, get in the playoff, and then ended up winning, hitting that miraculous shot in the front, the first playoff hole. So, you know, it was it was it was, uh, it was due. I mean, he's worked extremely hard. Because think about this, guys. Here's a guy. I guess let's call it a year ago that was struggling. Live golf was ready to pay him a lot of money. I mean, he's already got money. I mean, he could have took a lot more money and just said, you know what? I'm going to go out there and play you know, join the live golf and, uh, you know, and just see what happens. But no, he decided to stay on the PGA tour, work, your, work his rear end off. He's done a lot of, you know, Butch Harmon's done a wonderful job with Ricky. You look at his swing, uh, his hands are a complete different position today than where they were a couple of years ago. And, uh, you know, he he's it. I mean, I think he started at like 190th in the world golf rankings a year ago. Now he's all the way in, the top, I think, 23rd maybe. Here's a guy that was in the top 10 some five years ago uh, in the World Golf Rankings. So, great job. He's a fan favorite. I was proud for him. Uh, Good to see Ricky Fowler winning this weekend at the Rocket Mortgage. Well,
1: well, also, I love the fact that, of course, the traditional Tiger Woods red comes out. But anytime you're watching golf on a Sunday and you see Ricky Fowler in the all-orange, as we did in the... U.S. Open as Wyndham Clark was able to put that away he was paired with him and and I saw this bright orange and I was like what is that Tennessee orange what what's going on there not quite sure and Bronner said nah man that's that Oklahoma State swag that he's bringing out with that orange so tell us a little bit about what you think about the orange that Ricky Fowler wears
6: uh, I guess he's true to his colors, as Bronner said. He's an Oklahoma State fan. I mean, uh, obviously played uh, – had a brilliant collegiate career there. And, uh, uh, you know, it's something that he wears. He wears orange on Sundays. I think it's cool. Tiger wears red on Sundays. So, you know, there's only a few guys that can get away, uh, get, get away with that. And uh, Ricky Fowler is definitely uh, one of them, uh, you know, because I'm not that keen of a fan of orange. But, anyway <laughs> – uh, Ricky Fowler, Ken, and, uh, you know, he's a Puma. Let me tell you, a lot of kids, a lot of junior golfers love Ricky Fowler, love the Puma, love the orange, the hats. Uh, you know, he's 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 got it going on, no question about it.
2: Yeah, John, you brought up the trend. I mean, it seems like he's been in, in or at the top of the leaderboard in the last, like, ten tournaments and finally, like, just that grind of, you know, knowing you're good enough to win. And you know, playing good enough to win, but ultimately not getting it done, not being able to string seventy-two holes together, and then finally being able to break through. I mean, that's just, that's just got to be the best feeling ever for Fowler.
6: It's been four uh, years. He, he was, he was relieved. And there's no question. I mean, he was very emotional. Uh, I mean, it's just a big burden off his lift. I mean, I think he's pretty much secured his spot on the Ryder Cup team. Uh, it just opens. You know, it's, it's it's just a big thing. He he was due to win. He's that good. He struggled, but he never, you know, he never cried, never complained. And so, you know, what's so funny is now his good friend, and I I understand that uh, Speef, uh Ricky Fowler and also and also Justin Thomas are getting ready to get on a plane over to to watch Wimbledon and spend a few weeks over in Europe and playing the Scottish Open and then the British Open together with their families over there. Uh but, you know, now Justin Thomas is struggling bad. I mean, and now Ricky Fowler's good buddy is kind of turning it around, and now Ricky Fowler, I mean, excuse me, Justin Thomas is struggling. So, you know, you got to be at the top of your game. I mean, this game can uh, be very, very brutal, and I tell kids all the time, man, enjoy it while you can because it doesn't last all the way there. You can't be at the top all the time, and, and it's not good when you start to struggle and so forth. But, you know, the old saying is, Bronner, You keep going to the dance, sooner or later, you're going to find somebody to dance with you. It's such and an Ricky it, Fowler kept
2: doing it. It's such an interesting point. I mean, I, and I love that you brought up Justin Thomas. I mean, the margins are so razor razor thin on the PGA Tour between, you know, being great and really struggling. Even even those margins are thin. So, uh, what do you think it is? You know, Ricky Fowler a year ago is about to lose his tour card. Justin Thomas is shooting an 82 at the US Open. Like, what do you think it is that makes guys lose it and what do you think it is that makes guys get it back?
6: Well, I think, obviously, it's confidence. I mean, the number one ultimate, you shoot high scores because you drive the golf ball bad. Okay? I mean, you can putt bad and shoot 73s and 4s really bad. But when you drive the ball bad, you're going to shoot, you know, the high 70s, 80s. Justin Thomas obviously struggling off the tee right now. uh, But, uh, you know, he's a great player. He'll find it. He's just in a rut. I mean, it's just this has been going on now for about four or five months. You know, every once you know, every one or four one out of four or five tournaments, you might get, you know, find something and you know get a good get you know have a good event. But for, for but the bottom line is uh, Justin Thomas has been struggling, and hopefully uh, he can find it and get back to where he is because he is a marquee player in the game of golf, and uh, and I'm pulling for him too. And just like the rest of it. Uh, people in golf are pulling for Justin Thomas because he's well-liked amongst his peers also.
1: Bryson DeChambeau, he takes an L in the live tournament. Talk about his upset, and I I know that, you know, getting in the live, I'm not quite sure Bryson felt, okay, this is a tournament or this is a league to where I can and probably win a lot more, but he's in Spain, and, and he gets defeated by another Oklahoma State graduate
6: oh taylor gooch you know he's won three times i think three times his last yeah. five starts in live golf i mean i mean so here's another point he, they changed the criteria on him he didn't get in the u.s open he should have been in it now i mean there's no doubt about it whether you like live or not taylor gooch is playing lights out he's got to be uh on a radar screen for the Ryder cup but he won't be cho- he won't be picked but, uh, I mean, if you want to just talk about guys that are playing good, he's playing really good. Uh, but he won't get picked. But he's another guy that's playing really good, really, really good golf, under the radar, so to speak, because he's on live golf. But, uh, you know, Bryson uh, Dyson DeChambeau looks like he's coming to form a little bit. Every, all, look at all the majors. He's been kicking around tires in majors and every time he's played. so And, and he's kicking around, too. So he's going to get a win just like, just like Ricky Fowler, he's trending in the right direction. Wouldn't surprise me if Bryson DeChambeau wins his ne- in his next start, whether that's the Open Championship or on the peak or on the Live Tour.
1: John, we, we've been asking all our guests here as tomorrow, of course, Independence Day, Fourth of July. What is John Roschetti's go-to on the Fourth of July? What do you have to have on that grill or coming off of that grill that you know you're looking forward to getting on your plate tomorrow?
6: Grilled ribs and some Kaneka sausage.
1: Yeah, the Kaneka sausage. How about that? You can't go wrong. Bronner said, Look, when he, he knew nothing about Kaneka prior to coming to the state of Alabama and attending the, the University of Alabama, but he's learned it to, to be one of his favorites. And over under tomorrow, Joey Chestnut, over 73 and a half hot dogs eating in the Nathan's hot dog eating contest. What do you got? I'm going over. I am too. I'm going to go
0: over. Well,
6: <laughs> I, I tell you one other thing, Corf. I know you guys got to get going, but one other thing that we didn't touch on, which I think is a massive story in the game of golf. Bernhard Langer at the age of 65, going to be 66. Pass Hill was won 46 times on the PGA, on the champion's tour. It's just incredible what this guy is doing at at such an old age in golf it really is and i tell you it is something we're going to talk about tonight but i am really really impressed of what bernhard lang has, a, uh, has accomplished in the game of golf in the last six or seven years it's incredible
1: plenty to talk about tonight immediately following the final drive of course it'll be the miller light john Rachetti's golf show coming up and reshetti are you on location again or are you just sitting and uh, relaxing yeah, getting ready at, to I'm enjoy the July.
6: fish camp and uh We're going to talk, you know, we'll be at Felix's Fish Camp. I imagine it'll be a great crowd, as usual, up there. Looking forward to it. We'll have uh, Bronner be with us. We've got a lot to talk about in the world of golf. as uh, The final major of 2023 is is just around the corner, and we'll recap, obviously, the Rocket Mortgage Championship this weekend.
1: John, appreciate it. Be safe tomorrow. Enjoy your 4th of July festivities and those ribs and connect a sausage for sure, my friend.
6: All right, you guys, keep up the great work, Corey and uh, Bronner, and we'll talk to you guys next Monday. Appreciate Everybody, it. Everybody have a great sport.
1: John Rachetti joining us, of course. You can catch his show immediately following this evening's Final Drive, John Rachetti's Miller Lite Golf Show coming up at 6 o'clock p.m. The Final Drive. We'll be right
7: back. from the University of Alabama. You 105.5 WNSP. Roll time.
1: Welcome back to the final drive here on WNSP 105.5 and I want to thank everyone for having us locked in this afternoon. And of course you can correspond with us on the app. Give us a call, 251-694-1055. What is your favorite 4th of July food? And do you have a favorite 4th of July tradition? I know some people love going to the Watermelon Festival in Grand Bay. Some people just love catching the fireworks or shooting fireworks with their family. Just want to make sure they do so with a lot of safety. For sure, especially as dry as it's been. But, you know, Bronner, I I will say that as far as Joey Chestnut over under 73-and-a-half, I just think that he is going to break that record, and I think that when you do watch the Nathan's Hot Dog Eating Contest, you, you know that he's going to put on a show, and you know he's going to be well-prepared. Joey Chestnut, again, definitely the favorite to win it all and win the mustard belt. That they call it, and you said earlier you you felt like in in five minutes from a Kaneka sausage standpoint you could eat at least twenty five.
2: Yeah, I think I think twenty five is fair. I,
1: I can tell you, you'd probably be feeling it the next day. Well,
2: that's I'm sure for Joey sure. Chestnut is too. But Joey well, Chestnut's the greatest athlete to ever live. A, so. And
1: look, I I think he is the greatest. Eating athlete of all time, man. Yeah, that's and that's not you even a fun debate. Say, well, that's not even a debate. You 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 say he's the greatest athlete of all time. Uh, you know that's that's where I really struggle. There is the that. widest
2: gap between Joey Joey Chestnut and any other athlete in his sport than there is any other athlete to ever live ever. Period. That's not a debate. He is better at his sport than anyone else has ever been at their sport. And that, and that's that's point-blank period. That's not even up for debate. Well,
1: he there's, is, not, there's not a lot of athletes that have a 30-for-30 30 30 on them in regards to the competition. I mean, he's already
2: do. in an elite category there. It's like, like I said earlier, it's a foregone conclusion that Joey Chestnut is going to win the mustard belt tomorrow. We know that. I mean, when... when when we get around to Super Bowl time or even preseason, do we know who's going to win the Super Bowl? <laughs> yeah, no. No, you don't. That's not how it works. That's not how sports are supposed to work. But Joey Chestnut is that dominant of an athlete. 15 out of 16 mustard belts. And he came up there with a broken leg. He crutched up there and won a mustard belt. But I will say this, He's too. the best to ever do it.
1: You know, a lot of people don't want to give credit to... To eating cha- challenges as being a sport, oh, I, I think I think you go, that eating you go, challenges you go do it then. is a sport. <laughs> I really do. Yeah. I, I think that that's a, a sport. Well, if and, you and notice, you have to be a like tremendous
2: athlete. if you notice, like the really big guys, they generally don't do very well. <laughs> <laughs> like uh,
1: that—that's what's amazing to me. When you when you see normally you see the the biggest guy on the stage, you're like, okay, he doesn't he, do. He's well. probably gonna be able to consume a lot, but. It it just doesn't 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 happen. Somebody says, "Hey, look, they they beg the different with you. They say Otani is the greatest athlete. Like to see Otani eat seventy five hot dogs in ten minutes. He didn't have a bad June as far (laughs) as (laughs) as at the plate.
2: I don't know. I don't know if Joey Chestnut could hit three ninety four in 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 a month, but I'm just saying, man.
1: Yeah, I mean Otani got it done in the month of June." Anytime you're sitting there setting, uh, having an opportunity to say, look, you you just hit one more homer and and all kind of records are going to be in your lap along with pitching. I know last week we talked about it. Worth $500 million? Absolutely is. Probably more. You could make the case
2: he's worth a billion dollars. But, I mean, again, the argument is not to denigrate other athletes. And I'm not
1: taking away, but I, I just think that Otani's the best baseball player ever. It, it is a sport. The eating competition is a sport, and, and whether you look athletic or not, the bottom line is the um, what he's able to do and the way he's able to dominate. It, it's fascinating, and it's must-watch television for me. I, I, I just the way he's able to dip the dogs that quick in water and consume them, and and swallow them and get them down his digestive system. Uh, there's going to come a point in time to where if he does break his own record at 76 hot dogs in 2021, I mean, the bar goes to 80. Then they want to push you to 82 or 83. (laughs) I mean, he he only has 10 minutes to eat as many hot dogs as he can. And it's always fun and impressive to watch. I just love the the fact that I can sit back and enjoy my 4th of July meal. I love the fact that I don't have to rush. I don't have to kind of shove them down my throat. I know that there's going to be plenty to go back and enjoy. Because I know when he finishes, you know he doesn't want to see another hot dog. No, he switches to beer at that point. Yeah, He probably does chug a lug a little bit. But, again, the best – food or menu item that, that you're going to prepare for the 4th, you can give us a call or let us know in the app. What, what do you look forward to from a side standpoint? Is it the mac and cheese? Does it have to be the potato salad? Is it the coleslaw? What, what is the goat baked bun, baked beans with or without ground beef? What is it the go-to 4th of July side, the 4th of July meal? A lot of people have said they got to have the ribs, the kielbasa sausage, but the grills Definitely will be fired up, and as hot as it's been, God bless. Make sure you kiss the cook afterwards for sure because they're giving up a lot to sit there and and get it done. The final drive here coming up, third hour. We'll have Zach Blackerby joining us here on the final drive. Hour number three coming up next. Welcome to our number three of the final drive here on WNSP 105.5. Corey Labounty, along with my producer, Michael Bronner, joining you this Monday afternoon. And we want to thank everyone for tuning in to WNSP 105.5. Hope everyone has packed their patience in regards to all their travels as those are getting ready for the 4th of July, heading to the beach or just chilling out, getting ready to hang out at the pool. Just a lot of traffic here getting ready for the fourth celebrations that are going on. And of course the biggest topic of our number one and two has been what is your favorite 4th of July food menu or what is your favorite 4th of July tradition? And I tell you it's tradition to have our next guest on our show each and every week, Zach Blackerby, host of Locked on Auburn and also covers the braves today zach how's it going my friend
3: uh happy fourth eve to both of you
1: and uh, thank you very much sir and we'll go ahead and, and we'll get this out of the way so i don't forget to ask what has to go on the grill for zach blackerby in order to have that wonderful fourth of july
8: I'm simple, man. Some burgers and dogs and, uh, you know, obviously a lot of beer to go along with that. But, yeah, I'm I'm, I'm plain. I'm straightforward. Burgers and dogs for me.
1: It, it, is it the Koneka sausage that you have to go with, or can it just be just a regular old hot dog for you? It could
8: be regular old hot dog. I'm not bougie when it comes to hot dogs. No, I will enjoy a bougie hot dog from time to time. But, no, uh, I, I can eat whatever. Yeah, absolutely.
1: No, no, hey, no doubt about that, Zach. And, of course, when, when we look at the fireworks that have been going on At Auburn of course today on the SEC network if you're an Auburn (coughs) Tiger fan today was definitely the day to to lock in and see everything that was going on here in the calendar year 2022-23 for Auburn but I don't know if you had a chance to to catch any of that but what a great way to start with the spring game and turn around here and, and look at a couple of basketball games some equestrian tossed in there as well but it's a great day to be an Auburn Tiger
8: yeah, yeah, I haven't been able to turn on the SEC network, but I've been kind of seeing—I've you know, seen a few things kind of going around on social media. Obviously, they highlighted the kick six. You know, they asked the question, "Where were you when when the kick six happened?" And it was kind of fun scrolling through some of those answers. Um, and then, you know, obviously the Cadillac Williams game where Auburn beat Texas A&M this past season—that was pretty cool. Semi-surprised that made the cut, but I get it. I think it's timely and topical, and was a pretty cool moment there's some stuff with SUNY Lee that I saw which is great so I mean Auburn's had a nice you know some nice moments over the past few years it's just you know they they want more wins in football and so they're trying to they're trying to figure that out and Hugh Freeze is doing everything they can to do it but yeah it sounds like it was a cool event uh, on the SEC network yeah
5: I'm glad they did that.
1: Well speaking of a great topical point in regards to Auburn Auburn Former the big one of the biggest stars in the history of Auburn, Charles Barkley decides to go ahead and and put five million dollars donation into Auburn to provide scholarships to African Americans, and he wanted to make sure that he saw uh, an enrollment increase in, in, in African Americans at Auburn. But to put that in your will and to be as generous as Charles Barkley has been is one of the biggest. Alum of all times. Charles Barkley, he's just a man. He gets it, he understands, and I think he's become even more and more humble as not only he's become a grandfather, but as time has gone along for himself as well.
8: Yeah, Charles Barkley is certainly one of the good ones, and he's always kind of been one to, I mean, he's got a mouth, but he's always put his money where his mouth was. And, you know, we saw it most recently with that donation he just mentioned. He's also been very active in funding, you know, several programs, you know, throughout the you know the HBCU world, and uh, yeah, I mean Charles Barkley's the man. Yeah, if you uh, if you're in a bar with, with Charles Barkley, odds are he's going to buy your drink because he just like buys out everything. It, uh, it'd be nice to have that kind of money, but yeah, Charles is awesome. Charles is great, and you know he's been it's been cool to kind of see him. Uh, be able to talk up Auburn now that Auburn's finally go to basketball again. I think he's had more fun doing that than uh, than anything else that he's done on TNT. So, and look with what ESPN has been doing to you know their their national coverage right now, I think the gap between what Charles Barkley and and you know Shaq and the guys and TNT are doing versus anybody else's national NBA coverage, they're really widening that gap. So props to uh, props to Prince Charles.
2: Zach, you brought up that uh, that where were you during the kick six tweet? Gus Malzahn had had quite the quote tweet to it, saying he was that. on the fifty yard line. That. Yeah, I said uh,
8: around uh, around the fifty yard line on the whole sideline. guess, coach, where were we you? No, thank you.
2: Where I got to know where you were.
8: I was in my fraternity block seating. I was on the second row, uh, a student uh, in the student section. So we were. We were one of the first ones on the field. That was pretty cool. That's got to be what
2: top top three moment of your life.
8: Oh wow! Uh, I mean, there's not many moments better. I mean, if you take out family stuff and limit it just to sports, it's number (laughs) one. Yeah, yeah. I mean, nothing ever. And it's so wild because you mean you just think about what happened two weeks prior to that. you know, I was in the stadium for that game, too, yeah. when Ricardo Lewis, you know, did the prayer in and hair, hare And that one was a little bit different just because there was still a lot of game left in the sense of George almost came back and marched it down the field and won. So the ending was different, but just the way Auburn um, was able to win those two games against their two biggest rivals um, and just kind of capitalize on the crazy season that they had. Um, I mean, that, that moment wasn't just the kick six, right? I mean, it was... It was that. It was, you know, getting killed at LSU and bouncing back and you know almost coming back in the second half. It was, you know, the the last second throw to uh, C.J. Uzama against Mississippi State that year. I mean, that was a culmination of a lot of things that really made that year so special. Then to kind of let that happen in such a historic way, I mean, a lot of people didn't realize you could even return a kick at that. I mean, that kind of opened the eyes to, you know, the part of the special teams rule book that a lot of people didn't even realize. So, um, yeah, I mean that's that's something that that people will always remember for yeah, sure.
2: Yeah, I don't want to get you in trouble, so probably best we'll we'll keep sports rankings and like you know general life rankings. We'll we'll keep the two separate and we'll, we'll call yeah, it. Yeah, I am one.
1: married and have two children, so it, it's got to be <laughs> at least after that. <laughs> well, well, let me ask you this too, Zach. One of the interesting things about all schools really is from an apparel standpoint. And, of course, people love to be swagged out. And, you know, Russell Athletics had Auburn jerseys for the longest and then Nike a tad bit and then you turn around. And, of course, Under Armour has been outfitting Auburn for a while. You had a pretty interesting discussion with Daryl Daprich in regards to to Auburn's apparel company moving forward. What direction do you think Auburn – is going to go in because, you know, there, I, there's nothing wrong with the swoosh, nothing wrong with the, with the Under Armour logo either, but I, I tell you, it's going to be a bidding war to see where they decide to go ahead and go.
8: Now, I'm just going to be honest. A lot of Auburn fans will say that there's plenty wrong with the Under Armour logo. Mm. Uh, I, I, think, I think that's going to be something that, you know, it's just kind of run its course, and you're starting to see more and more schools as soon as they have the opportunity in that window where they don't have to extend their contract with Under Armour, schools are doing that. And most of them are then turning and going to Nike. I think that's what's going to happen with Auburn. Nike's not my first choice if Auburn moves away from Under Armour, um, but I think it's the one that makes the most sense, it's what basketball seems to like. I, I, I like Adidas products. I have more Adidas products than I do Nike, and I, I don't own anything Jordan. Um, but uh, it's, there's no reason why. I just haven't been in a situation where I needed to buy something Jordan. But it sounds like a lot of the schools that have moved to Jordan have had really good success with not only their apparel sales and merchandise sales, but also it seems like student-athletes really enjoy those products. I I don't love the Jumpman logo on other sports gear outside of basketball. I think it looks a little odd, but whatever. So I think Nike makes the most sense. I think that's something that could help Auburn on the recruiting front because nobody's like going on their official visit and be like, man, I love this Under Armour gear. That's just not what people say, right? You know, they 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 care more about Nike or Jordan or Adidas. So I think, you know, that's gonna be something that Hugh Freeze is probably gonna want his hand in the pot in, as well as Coach Pearl and probably even Butch Thompson and several other of the head coaches at Auburn. So I would want Adidas, but if I had to guess, I think it'll be Nike or Jordan.
2: Talking to Zach Blacker, be locked on Auburn. Zach, a debate Corey and I were having earlier, I made the claim that Joey Chestnut, who the over-under is 73 and a half hot dogs, by the way. Get your bets in now. I made the claim that he's the greatest athlete to ever live uh, just due to the fact that the wide gap between him and the rest of his competition supersedes any other athlete to ever live. Tell, tell me why I'm wrong. I don't think I am. Uh,
8: I'm not going to necessarily argue with you, but it is kind of amazing that, Nobody has, like, made a run, and we saw kind of Matt Stoney get close for a little bit there, but then he's kind of trailed off. Now he's more concerned about making TikTok videos <laughs> than anything else. You know, I, I almost want to say he's, if you wanted to call him, like, the greatest competitor in his field, I think athlete is a little tricky. I think then you have to define, like, what an athlete is because as an athlete, anybody that's just competing, because then I think that really opens the book and you got to have a bunch of different conversations then, which is fine if that's the thing you want to do. Like, I think that's totally okay. Um, but I, I just think when you think about greatest athletes ever, you know, you think about something that, you know, physically you can do at a high level. Um, but as far as his competition and owning his craft to being the best ever at it, yeah, I mean, the divide is pretty crazy. I mean, it, it's amazing that in this world where so many people try so many different things and nobody else has been able to come close to him, props to him.
1: Well, we'll go from, again, the eating contest that everybody's going to be watching tomorrow at 11 a.m. on ESPN2 to, to seeing if Chestnut can go ahead and go with the over of 73.5 hot dogs to the fact that the Atlanta Braves are not having to be hot dogs in the way that they're playing because they're just winning and i mean they're doing so and they're having fun as evident in their overall major league record in the fact that they have plenty a plethora of all-stars to to go on into the all-star weekend next week in seattle any surprises that were omitted from the All Star Game, from an Atlanta Braves standpoint, or anybody that you're looking forward to watch in the festivities, from home run contest onto the All Star Game itself.
8: I think Matt Olson should have been a starter. I mean, I definitely get why Freddie Freeman was, but I mean, this is a guy that's now leading baseball in home runs. You know, everybody's talking about Shohei Itani, and, and you know, Matt Olson's going. Right up with him as far as impact on offense. I mean, obviously, Shohei does other things, but what Matt Olson's done at the plate, um, I mean, he's better than any first baseman in baseball right now. So I think, I think that was, uh, I think that was an L. But once again, I get why Freddie was put in that slot. And outside of it, I think everything else makes sense. Uh, I mean, what Ronald Acuna has done this year is, I mean, he's going to be the best leadoff hitter in the history of baseball, once he kind of hangs them up. And he's continued to do so. And what he's done is incredible. And All these new rules was, you know, making it easier to steal bases. He is capitalizing on more so than anybody else in baseball. And he, he's he got a chance to break some steel records before it's all said and done, too, if he keeps this up. So, certainly those guys make sense. And then Orlando Arcia, the guy that Atlanta fans were, you know, calling for uh, for a lot of people's jobs when they made that decision to go with him over – you know, Grissom and some of the other guys at that shortstop position. And he's been nothing short of exceptional. So, I mean, what a story um, that this team has had. But, I mean, you just look at this lineup. I mean, one through nine, if you're a pitcher, there's just no relief. There's no easy out. And the fact that you're a nine-hole hitter, you know, Michael Harris is the guy that was the NL rookie of the year a year ago. And now all of a sudden, you know, in his last, I think it's his last 30 games, he's hitting like over 300. You're nine-hole hitter. It's stupid. It's absolutely ridiculous. I mean, this isn't sustainable, but, I mean, it's just hard to see anybody playing better than Atlanta right now.
1: Yeah, I agree with you there. Looking forward to that all-star game coming next week, along with the home run derby. That's always produces its own fireworks here. And in a couple of weeks, we'll have Hugh Freeze trying not to to have any fireworks at the podium in his first debut at sec media days is auburn's head football coach and looking forward to, to hearing what he and some of the players have to say here in a couple of weeks and zach for your tremendous coverage of everything auburn as well as dipping into the atlanta braves how can everyone follow you
8: yeah lockdown auburn is available wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube, also uh, written works about Auburn is at auburndaily.com, and the written work for the Atlanta Braves is at braves.today.com.
2: Zach, I actually have one more question for you. Believe it or not, it's actually Auburn-related. Uh, there's been a lot of talk about Perry Thompson lately. I, it depends who you ask. I mean, the Alabama recruiting sites seem to think he's 100% locked in. I mean, that's what he said. And now he's still going to big cat weekend i in your auburn skewed opinion because I've heard the Alabama skewed opinion, I mean what are the chances that Auburn ends up flipping him?
8: yeah, I think when you look at you know this big recruiting weekend that everybody's got you know with with auburn it's big cat with Bamas you know it's the the big barbecue that you know save and throws every year um, you look at the attendees of all of these, and it's not just those two schools, it's all throughout college football that's like the committed players go to those schools. And so I, I, I'm a little surprised. Um, you know, I, I don't know what's more important. You listen to what Perry Thompson, what he says, where he's 100% committed, or do you follow the visits? And it's like, well, if he's 100% committed and he's been 100% committed for a year, why is he taking official visits other places? And then, you know, on the biggest recruiting weekend of the year, arguably, why is he not with the rest of his class. Um, that just doesn't sound like a Al- 100% Alabama commit. I'm not saying he won't, I'm not saying he's going to flip or anything like that, but for him to say he's 100% committed, but he's not with his class, um, he, he's not. <laughs> he's not 100% committed, or he'd be doing those things. He may still end up at Alabama, you know, I'm not predicting anything, but you know, the actions of these teenage kids, I think, speak louder than what they actually say so that's my thought on it Uh, i I think auburn's in it i'm not predicting anything one way or the other but i certainly think auburn's in it right
1: now well zach we look forward to seeing what perry thompson's going to do of course he's known as uno he is the wide receiver from foley high school right here in our own backyard and it will be interesting to watch because anytime you can get a a, an alabama to flip to an auburn or an auburn to flip to an alabama it's definitely going to make statewide news for certain and is worth writing and talking about want to wish you the safest Independence Day and hope you're able to to get a little hot dog and hamburgers in tomorrow like you said not a big bougie person but get your eat on and, and enjoy the day off tomorrow and let's see if the Atlanta Braves can continue its winning ways prior to the all-star game
8: that's right guys hey happy fourth to both of you gentlemen I'll talk to y'all soon
1: appreciate it Zach Blackerby joining us this evening on the final drive, and we'll be right back.
3: Hey, this is Slick Willie Shaw from the world famous Harlem Globetrotters. You listen to sports Radio WNSP 105.5 FM.
1: Welcome back to The Final Drive here on WNSP 105.5. Corey Bounty, along with my producer, Michael Brawner, joining you on this Monday evening. We want to thank everyone for being locked in to our show this afternoon. And, of course, wish everyone a happy pre-4th of July as we'll be enjoying the festivities of all the barbecue ribs and baked chicken and hamburgers and, of course, grilled coneca tomorrow. What is your go-to 4th of July meal? What are you going to have on the grill? What do you have on the grill now? Of course, yesterday, being the weekend, had an opportunity to get started early on some 4th of July festivities. The fish was frying, the the hamburgers, the Koneka sausage, and, of course, the ribs as well. And, you know, you, you look at the sides that you love, Nothing wrong with macaroni and cheese, potato salad, baked beans, coleslaw, all of the above. You can't go wrong with in regards to 4th of July festivities and the best food. And watermelon is a must as far as when you look at whether it's seedless or not. Bronner says he just he just wants watermelon. It doesn't matter if it has seeds in it or not. You know, he, he likes the red watermelon over the yellow watermelon. Well, I but think most people do. I, I do think that you, you know, if you go to to the Grand Bay tomorrow for the watermelon festival, y- you would see your fair share o- o- of yellow, but a majority red because, again, being patriotic, the patriotic red, white, and blue. Now, if you see any blue watermelon, I, I wouldn't touch it. You know, I, w- I wouldn't go that route for sure, but definitely the red watermelon, the seedless. Watermelon i it, it is my favorite but do you, have you tried salt on your watermelon Bronner? mm no, no way. salt no salt at all no way you you wouldn't do salt on watermelon no man no i, I at least want you to try uh-huh sprinkle a little salt uh uh-huh. on watermelon no and take a big bite out of it no. You wouldn't you wouldn't go that route. No, no. Why? Doesn't need salt. All it's right. perfect. Okay, all right. It's well, sweet. Why do I want it to be salty? You know, it it just gives you a little bit of both. It gives you the sweet. and I have the salty. heard. I
2: have heard. I'm not calling you crazy. I have heard that before. I've I've always I've always been disturbed by that though. You, you I, just I don't like that. You just stay away from it. Yeah, I I have no interest in salt on my wall. I don't I don't need the sweet and salty. I got sweet. And then if I want something salty, I'll go have something salt. I'll go have some <laughs> chips. I, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't need both at the same in the same bite of food. You, you know, know?
1: I, I, I just think that it, you know it, it can be. I don't want every piece to have a little salt on it, but it, if I have four pieces of watermelon that I'm gonna indulge in, I'm, I'm at least one of those four. I'm gonna sprinkle a little salt on it and and, and get that eat on now I, I will say this too maybe for content reasons i'll, I'll have a piece of salt you gotta try it. you salt. gotta try it at least once and, and and you know a lot of people enjoy parks and uh roller coaster rides and, and 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 go and treat the the family to those type of fun events but i know you and i were talking earlier in in the show uh, a little bit about the roller coaster in charlotte oh man that, that you know you, you always worry about when you go to these fairs and and you have an opportunity to see it being w- when the local fair comes or the local festival when they do have all these rides that are put up in less than probably 24 hours it, it, it seems this roller coaster ride the entire support it was loose you could see a huge crack in it. <laughs> Very, very visually apparent around. there and, and that's scary i mean that's part of the safety It's something you don't think about you just think about going and having fun and that's part about the fun of of the fourth of july and having to be safe you know you get out in the water and you assume people can swim or you get those who can't swim that see everybody else swimming who want to get in the water or out at the beach with the riptides that that can be very brutal you go in there and you want it just to be safe as possible. That roller coaster in Carolina, man, that thing would at any moment Are we you, were going to be reading about fatalities yeah. in Carolina for sure. Glad that they were able to catch that. Well, yeah,
2: I mean, we can sit here and talk about it on a on a sports radio show because like, you know, someone someone caught it, but uh, you know, there was a big crack in the sh- I mean, it, it probably was not very far away from jeez. Like, this is a tragic story that you can't even begin to make light of it all so i are you a roller coaster guy at all no nah, brother I,
1: I don't do roller coasters. okay Period. i mean,
2: i will say and i do like roller co- it's been a while since i've been on one i do like roller coasters but like you know that video right there like encapsulates i i get it i get why people won't get on a roller coaster and you know if you get motion sick or whatever that's a whole other thing but man like that thing was cracked and it, it, it was about to go it, i mean i the fact that it took like a an, a regular person, not like a a uh, park worker or whatever you want. It was, I think, it was at Carowinds in Charlotte, and uh, I actually had a buddy that used to work there, ironically. But and I, I mean, it was a regular st- uh, park goer that discovered the crack and and found it from the video, and the video went viral, and they ended up shutting down the roller coaster. Well, but you
1: know, Coney Island. We we've been talking a lot about Joey Chestnut. Of course, Coney Island, known for ferris wheels and roller coaster rides but no no i, I will have no problem i'm, I'm afraid of heights mm. so so that's one reason that i don't do roller coasters but the fact that when you do see stuff like this on social media or the fact that you can build a roller coaster and disassemble it in less than 24 hours at, at a local festival a carnival nah I'll pass. I I'll, I'll go ahead and I'll pass on that, brother Broner now. Again, I won't it, shame you for it. Like it
2: after that video, it's not it's not the day to uh you know shame someone for saying
1: oh i'm not going on a ro-. well you know i get it <laughs> you know it, it is what it is it's I, not for everyone no no it's definitely not for for me for sure i mean uh, are you a roller
2: coaster guy i like roller coasters like it, it's it's been a minute and uh but you know there's a there's a great six flags new jersey tallest roller coaster in the world new jersey fun fact but uh yeah it's it's been a minute but i, I did like roller coasters maybe maybe now I'm an old person and next time I go on a roller coaster I'll get sick but
1: I don't think so I think I'm a roller coaster guy nah no 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 roller coaster for me I I will just sit and watch other people enjoy I, you know I did the flume zoom or or the log ride I I would do that uh as far as when you do go to places like Six Flags or, or formerly Opryland when I was growing up I would try that uh, the log ride just to cool off a little bit. But as far as roller coaster standpoint, you'll do like Splash Mountain at Disney World. That's kind of like a roller coaster. There's a big I, drop I, at look, the end. Look, I I I won't do Splash Mountain. Really? No, nah, nah, no, no. You splash won't even do Splash me. Mountain. No no Splash Mountain for me. If it's not a log ride, you know, there's I, a you're I, in I, a log. I, no, thank you. I no too high for me. I, I will pass. <laughs> I, I will pass on that one. That's crazy. No, I, I would definitely pass on that one, Bronner. I, I I can't do that. But I will say this, you know, the enjoyable family time that, that everybody does have and and the grills, like you said, the, the true grill masters have gotten out today and already mm. fired up their meat and are already having everything prepared and are going to let it sit overnight. And and for those who, who are grilling, let, let me know if I'm saying anything wrong with, with firing it up the day before because very rarely do you see somebody say, look, Tomorrow, unless it's early morning and getting started seven, eight o'clock before it gets too hot, if you want to eat, the meat's already pretty much starting to be done. No, there's never a there's never a wrong day to to
2: grill up. You know, it doesn't have to be July, but you know, two days early, one day early, it doesn't matter. But you know, talking about Fourth of July traditions, you know, I do I do definitely want to say, man. I mean, you know, talk about a tradition. We get it, it feel very lucky, man. We get to celebrate being born in the best country on earth and it definitely shouldn't lose sight of that you know i obviously we all have a lot of differences every year after year in this country but you know it's important to remember especially on this day you know we all are from the same country and it is the best country in the world no matter where you land on certain issues that is the most important thing
1: yeah absolutely uh independence day a lot different from a lot of other holidays to where You do see, you know, um, the fireworks and the firecrackers. I I think a lot of people do enjoy not only the fact that most people are off tomorrow um, or have they been able to make it a long weekend for themselves with a couple of of yesterday being tied in uh, to today and tomorrow as well. Starting that work week back in the middle is what a lot of people like to do. But you're exactly right. I mean, I, I think that. When you do look at the 4th of July celebrations that do occur across the country, whether it's in New York and, and their massive fireworks display that they're going to have or, or even here in, in Mobile, you, you really love the fact that Independence Day, God bless America, without question, without any question at all. The Final Drive will be right back here on WNSP 105.5.
7: Uh, this is Jim Brando of Fox Sports telling everyone along the Gulf Coast in Mobile. Listen to the opening kickoff with Mark and Lee on 105.5 WNSP.
1: for you coming out of the break and again what a a wonderful version i know that a lot of people will be hearing that version again tomorrow as well and i know the godfather has chimed in this afternoon and the godfather calling into the final drive welcome
7: godfather hey how's it going ladies yeah, so, I don't know. So, um, about all that. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Hey, so um I've been listening on and off and I, I haven't really heard anybody say anything about corn on the cob. I'm sure it's had to have been mentioned.
1: No, it has but, not been wow. mentioned as one of the that's the favorites. That that is a corn on the cob, that's a great addition to Fourth oh of my July. Ro roasted corn on the cob, grilled corn on the cob.
7: Yeah I, e- e- either I mean, way I've, it goes. I've heard, I've heard I've heard slaw and potato salad and baked beans, but anyway. So today is um, my lovely wife's and my anniversary, 21 years.
1: Happy anniversary!
7: And yesterday, thank you. Yesterday, I made a brisket. Ten hours. It was a yeah, and I know that's not really a traditional, you know. Fourth of July meal or whatever.
1: Sure it is. Sure it that, is. Just depends you on where you're from, it,
7: man. I, I I take a little I take a little paring knife, and I I kind of spear the meat in about fifteen or eighteen different places, halfway down or so, and stuff garlic, you know, garlic pieces in those holes that I've made, and then of course I rub it, and I just cook it low and slow. And man, I am telling you what's the truth. Corey, it was the best thing. It, it, the best, the best thing I've ever put in my mouth. I do believe, and and I've done some other briskets, but Lottie, Miss Claudia. We'll see, Godfather, Godfather. Next
1: time you decide to do that, go ahead and know that that our doors here at WNSP are open till five o'clock, <laughs> and, and 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 I'll be more than happy to go ahead and open it past five o'clock because the show doesn't end till six. Uh, we can sample it, you and, know, and if, we can if, definitely you know. go ahead and. And, and, and get a little brisket taste in them mouth. Because, again, it, you know, we had someone on earlier in the show said, look, they're from Texas. The next
7: time I do one, I will bring you all
1: some. Much appreciated there, Godfather. And you're absolutely right. A little some stalks of corn on the cob, not your traditional 4th of July to wear when you think about it. But as far as being great to taste, you know, anytime you can put corn on the cob and, and, and grill it as well, I will say this too, Godfather, being the brisket guy that you are, most grill masters have fired up their meat before tomorrow. You fire up that grill 24 to 48 hours in advance and go ahead and get it nice and tenderized and ready the way you you want it. So appreciate you calling in, Godfather, and bringing corn into our lives here on the 4th of July. (laughs) I want you to have a happy 4th of July, and appreciate you always tuning in to us.
7: All right, man. Right back at you.
1: Again, that's a that's a great addition. You know, you, you have the grill corn on the cob. I, I'm now,
7: like a
2: big corn guy, too. I, I can't believe I forgot about I, that. I,
1: look, I'm so consumed on the potato salad and the coleslaw mm. and the baked beans and the macaroni and cheese. It, it's not too often that, that you have someone that, that goes ahead and decides to shuck the corn on the grill, but but you know, you throw some butter on that bad boy, and hey, look, I, I, I'm all for it. I got the dental floss ready to go, <laughs> and, and next time Godfather makes that brisket, we'll definitely take him up on that offer for sure. Man, the garlic and in the inside the brisket—oh my
2: god, man, I I, I can't I, I can't even believe it. My
1: mouth is watering over here. Yeah, I mean, hey, look, it's on point. I, I'm looking forward definitely. To not only <laughs> get off to eating the leftovers that we had from Ugh. the cookout yesterday, but to go ahead and, and get ready for tomorrow's food as well. And again, Bronner, you, you look at the favorite 4th of July food that people go ahead and have. Of course, we've had a lot of people talk about the barbecue ribs. We've had a lot of people talk about the Kaneka or the hot dogs, the hamburgers. You know, you look at fish fries, some people do seafood balls. You have to have watermelon for dessert. The traditional American apple pie or blueberry pie, that's always a bonus or something to look forward to as well. As far as from a pie eating contest, mm. Bronner, how, how many pie do you do you think you could you could enter and win a pie eating contest? As far as uh, it doesn't matter, blueberry, apple, who bl- who's who's my competition? I, I, look, he, he, you're looking right at him through the glass. Oh, then yeah,
2: yeah, heck yeah, I'd be I'd be winning that pie eating competition. I, okay,
1: all right, we'll we'll, we'll
2: definitely looking we'll, at we'll, him through the glass. Come on now, yeah, <laughs> I'd be winning that pie uh, eating competition. We'll,
1: we'll have to get that going on for sure, and, and and see what's going on there as far as getting us some a pie eating contest. See how many pies we can dispose of. Cause you know, sweet treats. I'll I'll pay the price later on. Cause just like Joey Chestnut, I mean, as far as his over under, seventy three and a half dogs, and this man holds fifty four eating different eating category championships throughout the entire calendar the year. Very impressive. Again, you know, we're talking a goat among goats, man. The, well, the best to ever do it. I I will say this. And before we get to the what day it is in, in our next segment, speaking about the GOAT, Michael Jordan disapproving oh. of his son, oh. Marcus, <laughs> dating Larsa Pippen. And he goes yeah. ahead and he you know, he's finally asked the question. Was there audio on that? I got to find there there it. There is. Uh, he, he's it. Out, and, and basically, he just said no. He's in Paris. The reporter asked him. And at first he he chuckles about it when asked about his son Marcus, who's 32, dating Scottie Pippen's ex-wife, who's 48. He asked him about it and he chuckles and then asked him, does he approve of it? Michael said, No. Yeah, here's the here's the audio on it.
0: Hey Mr. Jordan, what do you think about Marcus and Laza Pippen together? You approve of it? No. There it is.
1: Mike with the one-word answer. No, he doesn't improve on
2: (laughs) Sundays, And that's the first
1: time I've heard audio uh, about him commenting (laughs) on the fact because we know his son Marcus and and Lars have been dating – for a few months there and scotty pippen definitely chimed in i mean this, some is, this, is, yeah, this is yeah this is three
2: weeks after scotty <laughs> pippen called michael jordan a terrible player yeah. before he got yeah. there so you know
1: pretty pretty interesting to, to hear from the goat michael jordan talking about his own son marcus Talk about a migraine for yeah. scotty dayton larsa yeah exactly <laughs> exactly we'll put the finishing touches on the final drive here on wnsp 105.5 right after this break
7: hi i'm michael pierce nfl defensive tackle when i'm in the city of mobile you can normally find me at wnsp 105.5
1: Welcome back to the final drive here on WNSP 105.5. And again, want to thank everyone for tuning in this afternoon and evening with us. What we've learned in today's show is no roller coasters for me. roller coaster in Charlotte was a little bit loose. And I, 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 I would not want any part of being on the other side of what happened in regards to what could have happened. The tragedy that was averted there. Joey Chestnut. Over under 73 and a half, hasn't lost that mustard belt since 2015, holds record eating contest championships in 54 different categories, other than Nathan's famous hot dogs. And I think he'll just add another one. The thing is, will it be over 73 and a half? I think he's gonna definitely get over 73 and a half. Can he break his record of 76? Yeah, I see 77 in his hot dog. Hot dogs in his future tomorrow. I think he'll break that record. And if you're a Wimbledon fan, Venus Williams loses in the first round of Wimbledon. She was in her 24th appearance. Kind of shocked. She's 43 years old, but she does lose in the first round. Along with Coco Goff. she was seeded number seven. And she lost in the first round today as well. And, Michael, we always want to know, Especially with tomorrow being Independence Day. What what day is today?
0: What day is it, Mike? Listen, guess what today is?
1: <laughs> what day is it? Mike, today is one of the big days on our calendar. It's National Air Condition Appreciation Day. <laughs> And that's a big one around was, here. If there was ever a day to came have at a the National right time. Air Condition yeah. Appreciation Day, it definitely was today. It's also actually National Stay Out of the Sun Day. So I think Dang. those two would kinda go hand in hand and National Disobedience Day, that's kind of a new one as well. International Drop a Rock Day. Had never heard of that one before definitely one of my favorites national chocolate wafer day. You like chocolate wafers? Sure. And national eat your beans day. That's a day before. You know, you, everybody's going to eat their beans tomorrow who love the beans. You you like fried clam? Fried clam. Yeah. I don't think I've ever had a fried clam. And you're from you're around the New England area. You yeah,
2: know? but that that's way more of a southern food than, than it would be a, a northern anything food. Anything
1: fried is a southern <laughs> well, well, yeah, Well, yeah, fair fried, enough. My again, brother. And there's nothing wrong with that. No, I, I love anything me some good fried, fried food. For sure, for, for sure. So, you know, a lot of things going on on what day is it. And, of course, tomorrow because we're not going to be with you. Of course, it is Independence Day. As far as the United States, it's also National Invisible Day. I'm just not able to see that being National Invisible Day. National Barbecued Spared Ribs Day tomorrow. National Caesar Salad Day. For those who don't want the meat, they'll get a chance to get on the Caesar salad. But, again, we want to wish everyone a very happy 4th of July, safe 4th of July. If you're going to be around the water, make sure you have water precautions if you're going to be shooting the fireworks make sure you have a way to put it out if there's a fire that does break out make sure that you use that safety in firing off those fireworks as well so for michael brauner and myself want to thank everyone for tuning in this afternoon and evening to the final drive and we'll leave you with lee greenwood god bless america and it's time we stand and say.